I know I know I mentioned the song a few times over the years, and I think I mentioned it on was it I, I may have mentioned it on the exit ramp over the weekend, a song called Raucous and Secaucus. And um the reason I knew about this song is because I mean it's a song that has a lot of New Jersey town names in it. Of course I'm from New Jersey. I love New Jersey. And I remember hearing Bob Grant on the radio uh mention it and even sing a little a little bit of it uh, from time to time. Um Bob Grant was a, a talk radio guy, kind of a political talk radio guy back in the seventies, eighties and nineties. I think he kept going into the two thousands as well. But he was you know, he's a real funny guy, great host, but you know, he's definitely on on that more you know, he was more of the right wing Republican side of things. It was kind of sad, like towards the end of his career, he was really old, and he was—he wasn't even on the radio anymore. He had like an internet radio show or something, and this was like in you know, so it was during uh you know Obama administration, and I just remember him going like in his in his feeble voice, Barack, no birth certificate, Obama, because he always he always had uh, nicknames for all the politicians he hated, like Frank Lautenberg, who was a senator from New Jersey, Frank. Lausenberg, the louse, you know. And um, Governor Cuomo, Mario Cuomo, the the original one, he called him the Sfachim. Mario, ascendeme tu se provino Sfachim. Some kind of big insult in Italian. I guess his name was uh, Bob Gigante, but his name was Bob Grant on the radio. <laughs> and he would have people call in. And I think, as PQ Ribber here on the Onsuk has stated, he even called in, and I, there was some expectation that people would call in. Sort of, it was all kind of a setup to call in and be annoying, and eventually Bob Grant would get really upset with you and be, "Get off my phone!" <laughs> it was just, it was a very fun show for the time. It really was. I my main listening was in the, like the eighties. I mean, sorry, the nineties, the nineties, early to mid nineties. I'd say it really was into Bob Grant. But he never really got popular outside of uh, the New York area. And maybe he was just too extreme. I don't know. But he was a real funny guy and a real uh, influence on me. you know. And I think back then I was, uh, you know, because he was so entertaining and such a great radio guy and he was doing monologues at a time before I even knew what a radio monologue was, he would start off his show with, with like a, a t- 10, 15, 20-minute monologue. And so would Bob Grant. Right, and they both were incredible uh, radio monologists. And uh, as you know, eventually I discovered Gene Shepard and the art of the, mo- the radio monologue, and that's what I've been doing now for quite some time. But I, I think with them, they were so good at it, I didn't even realize it was like the art form of my life that I was experiencing. And they both were fantastic, and Rush Limbaugh perhaps even better. Um, so my most beloved art of the audio monologue, uh, these guys were doing it. And I think I was influenced, sort of brainwashed into their politics at the time. Got to remember, in the early 90s to the mid-90s, it was a very different political landscape. But I was sort of drawn into the whole Republican thing. And uh, I did, you know, after, I think, 96, I voted for Bob Dole. Remember Bob Dole? <laughs> what, a, what a boring guy. Uh and Jack Camp. <laughs> See, we, I think sometimes we, we, we should, we, I, I wish for the return of boring politicians. But anyway, um, after that, I kind of 
was very disenchanted with the Republican Party and realized I didn't agree with their philosophies. And then I took a little detour through liber- libertarianism, and that lasted a couple years before I rejected that and uh, became very independent. Um, today is Election Day, by the way, the midterm elections here in uh, yes, November. What is today? November 8th. 2022. So it's the midterm elections here in the U.S. It's uh, the United States House of Representatives are all up for re-election. Those are all two-year terms. And as the Senate is six-year terms, some of them are up too. Not all of them, I don't think. But, you know. Anyway, so we'll see what's going to happen. The expectation is going to be a red wave. Everyone's all excited. All the Republicans are, oh, it's a red wave. The Republicans are going to take over. This happens every time in the midterms. I remember when uh, in Bill Clinton's, um, was it 94 maybe? Yeah. The midterms for Bill Clinton's first, uh, I think it was his, his, his first term in office, uh, the Republicans made some great gains and, you know, everyone was all excited. But what happened? What really happened? It's all, it's all kind of, you know, <laughs> whatever. All kind of pointless in the end. I don't know. Everyone is making such a big deal about going out to vote. Listen, I would love to vote. I want to vote. I have no one to vote for. You know, I I looked at the ballot. There's not even any interesting third parties or anything. Listen, it's one thing to find a write-in candidate for president. There's always someone out there who's running for president of the United States. But there's no real fun, like weird write-in candidates for House of Representatives, you know. I'd have to choose between a Republican, a Democrat, or a Libertarian. Three parties that I have no interest in and think all three of them go way against my better interests and the better interests of everyone I know. So what am I supposed to do? The flying fickle finger of fate? Just just do it randomly? I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's not it's – not, it, it, I have no options, you know? Like voting is, is it's like it's, it's like being a vegetarian in a steakhouse. Do you, do you want the ribeye or the porter the porterhouse steak? Well, listen, I'm a vegan. I can't have either of those. Or or what was another kind of steak? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know many different kinds of steaks. Uh, but that would be the libertarian one, the third kind of steak. I must know uh, sirloin. Sir, oh, the sirloin steak. Yeah, I can't eat. I can't eat any of those. I'm vegetarian. I'm vegan. I, I sorry, but if you had to choose, which one would you choose to eat? Well, I would choose not to eat any of them, you know. I mean, what do you want? So I, I suppose I, I could write in, like, you know, Pogo or Alfred E. Newman or something like that, but that's kind of jerky, you know. <laughs> I mean, like, would I really make the effort to go down there to vote for Pogo? I, You know, that, Pogo would be a good one because nobody even knows who Pogo is anymore. Pogo the muskrat, you know. That's who I'm going to vote for, really. It's a kind of jerky thing to do, you know. Or was that guy that always ran? Pat Paulson? I'll vote. I'll vote for Pat Paulson for Congress. Yeah, he's probably dead. He must be dead by now. But I'll vote for him anyway. Like, let me do a gag write-in candidate. It's not even easy to write in anymore these days. The 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 uh, they make it hard to write in. They have those little chiclet-style keyboards. It's annoying. But I do. I mean, I want to vote, and I and I think I have. I have voted in every presidential election since. Uh. I think ninety-two, <laughs> maybe yeah. I th- so I've I've voted, and I'll and I'll vote. I'll f- vote on the referendums and any kind of any candidate that I like, or I'll, I'll do a write-in for president these days. I'll do a write-ins for presidents. But I would vote for. I mean, if if a candidate came along that I felt 
listen, I don't have to completely agree with a candidate. I just it just has there has to be some angle from angle of approach for me to say like there's something about this candidate that represents something that might be good for, as far as my philosophies go. You know, and I, I, it's not really been that way, anyway. But I think I feel like it was good that I went through. I mean, I do feel like when I was younger, when I was in college, I, I feel like I was more. You know, I, I remember. You know, everyone was against Ronald Reagan. Everyone, oh, he's a Nazi. And of course, that just continues to this day. Everyone you don't like is a Nazi. Kind of uh, makes makes the the term much less potent when everyone is called a Nazi. But Reagan's a Nazi. Yeah, is he? So I didn't vote back. I didn't vote back then. I didn't feel like voting. I was just a young kid. I don't know what I was doing. I would have probably voted for a Democrat. I remember the Dukakis election versus uh, George uh, H.W. Bush, the first Bush. I was rooting for Dukakis, but he, he lost. So anyway, obviously, <laughs> the loser candidate, my God, Dukakis. <laughs> Even though he's probably better than the people we have these days. Please. So yeah, so I went through all those phases. I went through the Democrat liberal phase and the conservative Republican phase, the conservative Republican phase, the libertarian phase, and now just whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I went through all of it. I went I was a believer. I even went through an Ayn Rand phase, you know. Listen. <laughs> most people never even heard of her, but it's a very it's a very uh and I and I went through a period of of buying the the Ayn Rand bullshit and then I Saw the forest for the trees myself, right? I didn't have to take someone else's word for it. I lived it, and then I found the error of those philosophies on my own over time, right? You know, sit, most people just probably sit around and just ape the opinions of the people around them just to get along. And hey, you just got to—you have to get along. So if you if your people, if, if the people around you, your friends, your family, all have a certain politics, you know. If you're if you're not particularly interested in politics, or you're not particular, like I'm very idealistic, and I, I do care about these things. I really do care about philosophies at all levels, and I and I you know I would only vote for someone I had some agreement with. But I think if you're not really that interested in it, and you don't have to be, going along with the crowd is cannot be considered. You know, it's unfortunate perhaps, but it can't be considered. I mean, in some cases, you just got to do it, I suppose. But anyway. I feel very un- uninterested, uninspired by this election. I know a lot of people are very into it. You know, democracy's on the ballot. <laughs> that's what the, I think that's what the uh, Democrats are saying, you know. Listen, I think as, as if, especially if you're older, you just realize you've been through this so many times. There's a lot of hype and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really amount to a hill of beans, as they say. Anyway. So this song, I remember Bob Grant mentioning, I used to listen to him a lot, so he would mention this from time to time. And I think he was even sort of talking about, where can I find that song? I got raucous in Secaucus on a Saturday night because of you. He was quoting it, and he did this several times, and he, and I quote it because he quoted it. And a few times I tried looking it up, I, saw, I found nothing. So yesterday I really did a deep dive, searched through uh, not just... Uh, Google, which, of course, its search results are very wonky these days. But you can go to DuckDuckGo, which I know that's based on Google. Or Bing is actually Microsoft search engine Bing can give you some better results sometimes. Like when I was looking for that movie, um, 
that I talked about that Anthony Newley movie, um, Ken Hieronymus Merck and Forget Mercy Hump and Find Happiness, came up with Zip, Zippo, nothing on uh, on Google, but um, Bing got me three uh, video hits for the full movie. So, can we still use like Alta Vista or Excite or, or the Hot Wire? No, those are all God. Those search engines are all God. What was that one that was like the open search engine or something? But it was it was like hand done. I think Yahoo was like that. It was a hand done directory. <laughs> that didn't last long. I tried doing a hand under hand done directory of uh, you know those pre podcasts. I, I called the Jalopy Radio or New Time Radio or Jalopio. Then when podcasting hit, I, I it was just this endless wave of podcasts. I I couldn't do it manually anymore. Open Directory was that one that was that one that was called. There were a lot of search engines in the past, but uh, <coughs> anyway, I felt I did a fairly extensive search for Raucous and Secaucus and came up with only references to it and a set of lyrics that someone. It seems like someone wrote it down from memory. No recordings, sheet music, or any reference to the song existing, other than people mentioning it on message boards. There's a few references on the WFMU message board, and someone says that someone used to play the song or maybe sing it. They weren't clear. Back in the 70s on the precursor station, like MCA, I think, the precursor station FMU. I'm not sure if that's that was the precursor station. So on the FMU message boards, you know, like the comments on the shows, there's a few references to Rockus and Secaucus, and then a few others of people just sort of using the phrase... The caucus, by the way, is right down the street from me. It's between me and New York City. Anyway. So, I mean, what is up with this song? Uh, Thankfully, we have this one website, fourplebs.org. I have no idea what this is. I don't know if it's like a bad website in any way. I have no idea what this is. I I don't know what this site is, but (coughs) this is the only set of lyrics I found. That seem to to jibe or jive. What is that word? Jibe, jive. Seems to match to uh, the lyrics that. Um, my God, this is a long page. I got a search in page. What Bob Grant had quoted. So I'm gonna I'm going to attempt to uh, recite this song. Find in page Secaucus. Do do do. Here we go. Yes, nice. Okay. So this is uh, this was posted August twenty fourth, twenty twenty, by anonymous. Thank you. <coughs> so this is the only record that I could find of the song, and there's even some lyrics that are lost in here, missing lyrics. <coughs> I was raucous in Secaucus on a Saturday night because of you. I was broken in Hoboken on a Saturday night. That's your fault too. Oh, in Whippany, Parsippany, and Booton, I got sore. I heaved a sigh and ten a fly, and then came back for more. I was raucous in Secaucus on a Saturday night because of you. I was walking in Weehawken on a Saturday night, lonely for you. Things were looking stark in Cliffside Park on Saturday night. You made me blue. I heaved the sigh and ten a fly again in Carteret. In Trenton, you seem bent on making me just fume and fret. 
I was raucous in Secaucus on a Saturday night because of you. And then it says missing lyric. The hell? I popped my cork in West New York. I bombed out in Bayonne. I was raucous in Secaucus on a Saturday night because of you. We did it your way because of you in downtown Rawway because of you. Do, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that's a really cool, good range of New Jersey towns, you know. Hobo, uh, Secaucus, of course, Hoboken. Whippany, Parsippany, Booton. Booton's pretty obscure. They, they, don't mention, they don't mention Piscataway, though, though they, they do mention uh, Parsippany. Um, <clears throat> Weehawken, Cliffside Park, Tenafly, and Carteret. <laughs> what an obscure town, Carteret. I used to live near Carteret when I was in Island. Um <coughs> West New York, Bayonne, Rawway. <coughs> and then I don't think there were any other comments about it on, the, on, this, on this, whatever this site is. I don't know what this site is. I don't know if it's like a 4chan kind of thing. But anyway, that's it. So th at least we have some kind of lyrics that I have put into, into the record here onto the show. Uh, what is this song? Where does it come from? Who sang it? It must have – my theory is there was like maybe a lounge singer or a singer in – yeah, like a, in a restaurant or a lounge that would uh, – maybe some local guy wrote the song and just went around to different places and just performed the song. But it was never – released in any other form, right? That has to be kind of the explanation. I don't know. Because I thought I found some kind of reference to it uh, in some sort of like maybe it was a record in the past, but no, those old-time records are very well preserved and cataloged to some degree. Anyone have any idea anymore? Raucous? It's R-A-C-O-U-O-U-S or what, what's the spelling? It's like, it's, it's a weird spelling. Because I was sort of spelling it like caucus, C-A-C-U-S, but it's, uh, hold on, it's raucous. R-A-U-C-O-U-S, raucous. You know, kind of like uh, rambunctious. Well, let's look up the definition of raucous. I thought I knew what that meant, raucous. To be like uh Sowing your wild oats or something like that, right? Raucous and Secaucus, let's see. Making or constituting a disturbingly harsh and loud noise. Raucous youths. <laughs> it implies a harsh, grating tone, especially a voice. It may suggest rowdiness. The raucous shouts of drunken revelers. Wow. See, I, I was pretty pretty close to that. I think I got it right in terms of the general meaning. So yeah, kind of a mystery, <laughs> a, a mystery song. It should be on Lost, the Lost Media Wiki or something. I guess I could put it on there. I don't know. Um, it was raucous in Secaucus on a Saturday night because of you. <coughs> mysteries. I love mysteries. Things you can't find online. But it might. It, it made enough of an impact that people mentioned it, and I'm mentioning it. You know. I also couldn't find any reference to it in in, re, in relation to Bob Grant, and there are some air checks of Bob Grant, but I ha I have to imagine that most of his radio stuff is is lost. Uh, there, here and there, you see some air checks on YouTube and stuff. Can we find one? I'll, let's hear the voice of Bob Grant. Let's be heard. 
how he started this show. And then at the end, he's like, that slams the lid on things for today. Oh, and I know uh, that the best show on FMU, uh, that guy, what's his name? He's still doing the show. Uh, whoa. Just got ashes all over myself. Uh, Tom Sharpling on the best show. Uh, you always quotes Bob Grant. Get off my phone. <laughs> all right, let me try to find a Bob Grant air check here. I know I found one. It was just kind of a boring one, though, I found a few weeks ago. But let me see if I can find one. All right, I didn't preview this. How about Bob Grant, Talk Radio 77 in 1993. It's a good good year for my listening. Voluntarily wants to segregate uh, himself. What's wrong with you, it? You can't have it both ways, Elizabeth. I, think I don't want it both ways. Okay, good. Then take it the other way. You know how to take it. You probably do it that way all the time. Wow. Oh, that felt good. <laughs> anyway. Gary, you're on WABC. Hello. First, something I'd like to discuss with you, Bob, uh, but prior to getting into that, I have a message for Governor Cuomo. Mario, ascend to me. Uh, in my native tongue, Mario, you turn me on. Uh, dear. Laura, you're on WABC. Hello. Yeah? See, uh, everybody's mother and father were right. You see what happens when you play with yourself too long? Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's what uh, happened to that guy who's on the line. He's a, he, he lost his brain. He just completely flowed out of his body. Yes, what's on your mind, Laura? I mean, this is the stuff I have to deal with, folks, you see? I don't like that. Worse than Graham. We must be pretty bad, then. Yeah. Well... Alan, you're at WABC. What's on your mind? Well, Bob, you're not going to believe this coincidence, but the uh, Lakewood, I didn't call about this, but the Lakewood Yeshiva, the Rush Yeshiva has a son who is married to my second cousin. But that's not why I called. I, they don't like Goyim? Well, I, I personally met all these people at the wedding. All these people from the Yeshiva, they're very, very, very fine people. That's a very excellent Yeshiva. But did you hear the quote, though? Yes, I did. Yeah. And it's not true. That's a scandalous and scurrilous thing to do. Let me tell you, people are observing people. Makes me feel see- bad. Makes me feel well, bad. Because- All right, you get the idea. That's Bob Grant. So anyway. <laughs> it was a, just a lost a lost age of radio, you know. He was definitely influential on my <coughs> my <coughs> my uh, perf- audio style, I suppose. As as were all of the, you know, the radio people I listened to. I mean, you know, I'd say the big 3 were Bob Grant Howard Stern and Rush Limbaugh, yeah, really. But anyway, as I mentioned, um, we did the exit ramp over the weekend, and uh, we talked a lot about you know um, politics and elections, just just in a meta sense. <clears throat> um, you know, sort of the idea of you know if we had a pure democracy, that is no uh, representatives, but we just voted directly on everything, which we could do much easier now in the electronic age. Than we or the digital age than, than we could in the past. That uh, you know, a lot of people have have you know pointed out that um, <clears throat> it would be sort of if there was a majority of, it, of people who had their own interest, it would sort of screw over the people that were in the minority. I don't know if there's ever been a, a case of a true of a pure democracy where everyone voted directly on every issue, but the theories are that it may not work out too well. But anyway. Um, it was an interesting show, and um, I just want to apologize to Doc Slees because <clears throat> I, you know, I sent out the invites 
<coughs> on Facebook, and it's like a private thing because maybe I should just try it, just publicly posting the the uh, the Zoom link because I kept hearing that if you publicly post a Zoom link, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, yeah, kind of a weird gag reflex with the cigar. I don't know. Oh, by the way, um, I, when I paused earlier, my wife called, and I might go with her friends to vote and then go to dinner afterwards. So I might, I may actually just write in Pogo for, for the Congress, and then that's it. Pogo deserves some votes, you know. He was running for president. Well, that was back in the 60s, I think, yeah. Anyway, Pogo deserves – I wonder if the vote will show up. One vote for Pogo, the cartoon muskrat who does not exist, yet he has been voted for. Yeah. He must have gotten a lot, quite a few votes back in that election, whatever election that was. But anyway, um, if you post it publicly, the idea is that um, all these trolls and weirdos will start coming in to your to your Zoom meeting. So I've just made it a private invite. And listen, I am not good at event organizing or any of that kind of stuff. And I've had endless problems with the Facebook thing. So I, I have an email list that I... Invite to the exit ramp. But anyone that wants to be on that email list, please just let me know and I'll add you to the list. I have like 15 or 20 people I invite via email who are not on Facebook. I also post it in our chat room, which is on Discord. I always post the, the link in there. And, uh, <clears throat> but I, I do it as a Facebook event. And I noticed a couple times people weren't being invited. Because what you do is you make – they changed how they did it. So I made a new event because you, you used to be able to duplicate event and then all the invites were already in there. Then they changed it so you – but you could invite everyone that had been invited for the previous one. I thought that would work. And what happens is as I – I would invite everyone and then I would go back to the previous exit ramps and see that like almost at random certain people were unselected. So I'd go back like three or four or five shows and make sure to invite everyone. It's and it's like maddening, and um, so I, I double checked. I thought I triple checked everything, and you know I usually do do a post in the Overnight Escape group on Facebook and say, "Hey, if anyone didn't get invited, please let me know." But I didn't do it this time for some reason. So Doc Slee's just like he's on Facebook, but it just fell off. Like all those lit, like, like there's no record of him being invited, though I know he was in the past. It, it's just a Facebook glitch or something. So at this point, I'm going to cross-reference my list of people who have been on the exit ramp, make sure all of them are invited. I felt really bad about it. So, Doc Sleaze, I really apologize for that. I'm really sorry about that. It was really, uh, you know, I'm very frustrated because I'm endlessly having problems with that process. Anyway, <clears throat> I'll do better next month. Anyway, uh, so I may go vote. It's going to be kind of cool to go vote, I guess. I voted in uh, 2020, 2020, but I did that by mail. But I think we go to a church to vote. It'd be kind of kind of groovy to go vote, I guess. Like I, I'm not, I wouldn't be motivated. But if if, ever, if I'm going with people, I'll, I'll go do it. Anyway, uh, in other news, <clears throat> you know, there's these things you hear about, like a movie or TV shows coming out, but it's a long way off. So. What I've started doing is when there's an actual date involved, I'll put it on my, my Google Calendar. And so uh, on Friday, this is Tuesday now, on Friday I, I had written down that the Weird Al movie's coming out. Now listen, I have never been a huge Weird Al Yankovic fan, though I was, you know, I had his on a vinyl record back in the 80s. I had uh, Weird Al in 3D. And it was a good album. 
you know, and I enjoyed his parody videos on MTV. But, you know, after like, you know, the, the 80s, maybe the early 90s, like, I don't know. I, I, I never, I, I didn't feel like there was really much to Weird Al anymore. <clears throat> so I really never was that into him anymore. But I've seen uh, a lot of people, you know, that I know through the show, this show and everything. There's a lot of people that are like super fans of Weird Al and they'll post uh, on Facebook if they met Weird Al at a signing or something. And there's this like huge fandom for Weird Al Yankovic that I'm not against it. It's just not something I personally am that interested in anymore. I thought he was good, but I don't I, – it, it also feels kind of, you know – they're clever, funny little parodies, but it gets old after a while, to be honest. But I understand it. So I'm not a huge Weird Al fan. I don't even think I saw UHF. I may have seen UHF at one point. That's his previous movie. But I saw this movie stars Daniel Radcliffe, who who played Harry Potter as Weird Al, and Evan Rachel Wood as Madonna. And that guy, I forget his name, who was on The Office, who played Dwight Schrute. He plays uh, Dr. Demento. You know, I'd say I'm more interested in Dr. Demento than uh, Weird Al, to be quite honest. But <clears throat> not like I'm a Dr. Demento fan either, but he's you know someone that I know about, and he's kind of interesting. So it, it, this uh, movie, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, just came out on Friday. And it's on only on the Roku channel. <laughs> so you watch it for free. I think there were a few commercial breaks in there. You know, there's all these free streaming services, but there's commercials. They're apparently getting more popular. Um, <clears throat> so, I, so I started watching it. I watched it over a couple days. Now, the first half of the movie is pretty good. It's basically a parody of a – what I used to think it was called a biopic, but a biopic. I guess that's, that's how you pronounce it, a biography picture, you know, a motion picture, a biopic. It's sort of a parody of a biopic. So it's basically – a completely fictionalized version of Weird Al Yankovic's life. And it's and and the beginning is actually pretty good, you know, like they sort of are making a, a thing about like being weird, coming out of the closet of being weird and uh, the accordion is this offensive thing to people and it was kind of working and then he like Madonna becomes his girlfriend and and then there's a part where he uh he gets all drunk and goes on stage and he he does that and you know he he has like leather pants on and no shirt, and he's doing the, the same thing that um, uh, Jim Morrison from The Doors. I guess he was down in Florida and he was all wasted, and he's like, "You're all a bunch of slaves, <laughs> right?" The Jim Mar. I've heard that audio. Then he whips out his penis. Do you want to see it? And he gets like arrested by the police in in, in Florida. So there's a parody of that which I did chuckle at, but then <clears throat> the movie kind of falls apart it's like they wrote the first half and then the second half just really collapsed all the stuff with Pablo Escobar and all and, and everything and it just kind of it's so sad to see that a lot of movies they, they they're the first half is solid and then the second half just completely collapses and uh it, it became very tiresome so sad to say and, and I know people that uh, that uh, the people I know who are huge Weird Al fans they they loved it and listen the first half was good but why couldn't they have just uh, – I don't know. I think it needed a rewrite. The second half needed to be rewritten. But I guess maybe they did try to rewrite it, and I guess writing is the hardest thing. I don't know. So I was kind of disappointed by that movie. Um, I was hoping it would be good, and it was good for the first half. But, yeah. Anyway. 
Listen, they can't all be winners. So what do you want? What do you want? All right. I did a little more research on Pogo. So his full name is Pogo Possum, and uh, his first run for president was in 1952. And apparently it was a big deal. There were all these uh, rallies on college campuses. Uh, I guess he's, he was going up against Ike. Dwight D. Eisenhower lost, of course, to, to Ike. But, um, yeah, very popular cartoon candidate. And because he's a cartoon, he's he's sort of immortal. He's not like Pat Paulson. I, I should look at see if Pat Paulson is still alive. I don't think he is. But anyway, um, you know. Pat, yeah, he died in 97. So, you know, you can't really vote for a human that's dead, but a cartoon is always alive. And uh, apparently his... His, uh, his, his quote for politics was, We have met the enemy, and he is us. There you go. So, listen, if I have to, I'll vote po- I go Pogo. I go Pogo, okay? I go Pogo. I go Pogo. Oh, look, and I, I could have I worn an I go Pogo button. You can still get them. I don't think I, don't think I could order it and get it within the next few hours. Why? <laughs> I'd like to go into. The, are you allowed to wear election uh, buttons into the into the polling place? I go Pogo. I do go Pogo. Yes, very nice. Anyway, uh, today's uh, show is called Fun Pike Symphonette, and I wanted to give you the story of what that's all about. I'm not really sure what it's about, but it just uh, you know I have a process for coming up with my show art and my the title for the, each show, and this was quite a process. That ended with uh, the Fun Pike Symphonette. I like the way that looks. Um, so in this case, you know, I, I was sort of exploring options, exploring ideas, and uh, I came up with this, uh, for like a fan- phantom chemical as a phrase. Like, that yeah, has potential. Let me play around with it. And also shunpike is a word that I like a lot. And actually, remember when I got lost in uh, Madison area uh, recently, I wound up on a street called Shunpike, and a, a, a Shunpike is a road that you uh, go on to avoid a toll road. So you're shunning the pike, or you know, like you know, you're, you're shunning the turnpike. Um, so I came up with the phrase "phantom chemical occult Shunpike," and uh, you know, I played around with it. I, I was typesetting it in a font called Raffaella, and uh, which is a nice, you know. Uh, serif with some swashes as you can see the p there um and i was playing around with it it was going nowhere fast i mean it was completely not good phantom chemical occult shunpike it, it just uh, listen they're not all winners you know so um i uh i'm like maybe i could mix the words around so i I tried uh, so I tried fun pike with the ph from phantom and the unpike from shunpike and I like that fun pike it sounds like a fun turnpike but ph almost like fish the band fish and then I I, I tried like fun pike uh, chemicult like a chemical cult and I'm like yeah that doesn't really work so I'm like how about fun pike by itself but I'm like yeah that's not really that's not really working either and somehow I'm like how about the fun pike sh- symphony hmm but then I thought of symphonette, a rather obscure word, and uh, it's actually from a, a song by a band I do not like. Uh, the um, they might be giants. They have a song called uh, "Birdhouse in Your Soul," where they mention the Longines symphonette. 
So anyway, I tried it out. Uh, I tried the font a horseman there. Wow, that looks great. And I so I, it's on a black background with kind of this uh, turquoise lettering, Fun Pike Symphonette, red outline. Everything's kind of angled, and uh, I topped it off with a bit of uh, uh, Herculaneum, a font uh, by by Adrian Frutiger, I believe. From uh, it was a series from uh, of typefaces from Adobe called the Type Before Gutenberg. And it was based on ancient writing. So anyway, it's kind of an overused font, well, to me at least. But it worked in, in, in this context, and I kind of letter-spaced it out a little bit. And, and that's the story behind Funpike Symphonette. It's, uh, now, I don't know if it's a symphonette is a work of music or it's like an orchestra, but whatever it is, this is the Funpike Symphonette. And uh, for better or worse, that's what we got. I like it. I like it a lot, even though I don't know what it is. And in other news, I have continued intense work on my solitaire game, Flea Devil Solitaire. And uh, it's been very frustrating because I've, I've really been, I feel like I'm almost there. I've been really working on it. And every, like, playing tons of uh, test games every day. And um, I seem like I'm, always, I'm almost there, try a little tweaking on the rules, and then do some play testing, and it all sort of falls apart. The game can't be too easy or too hard, and this is the hardest thing to get to. So my latest uh, rendition includes, uh, I was talking about Zonk Out. This is, these are the cards which are the jokers, and you can add other cards in there as well, because usually a deck of cards you buy today, a deck of playing cards comes with actually two additional cards. They call like the garbage cards, little ads on them and stuff. But you can use them as Zonkers in this case. Zonkers just take up space, and they, they just make it harder to win because it makes the cards further apart apart so the zonk out if two zonkers are next to each other you could pay to remove one but i decided why not have a free zonk out if two zonkers are next to each other you can remove one of them for free um and that's it that feels really good because it feels like prog- progress through the game especially towards end game um a lot of zonkers are really good for the early game they make it harder, but then at the end it makes it like impossible because you'll have like three zonkers in a row, and every card you want to match, you have to pay three, and your your bankroll is probably almost gone by that point. So free zonk out, <laughs> I really like, but there was still one thing missing, and at this point I'm play testing the latest version, <coughs> which feels like it could be it could be it. This could be it. I may have cracked the code. I won't know for a few days. I got to do play testing, but. You know, I added the royalties rule where face cards could be uh, hauled into the bankroll or put as royalties into the easy go, the bottom of the deck. And that's how you scored is is with uh, the face cards. Really revolutionized the scoring. I think this was like last week. But I kept thinking I should do something with the aces. So finally I decided the aces will also be royalties and there'll be multi- multipliers, right? If you have one ace or zero, you multiply by one. But two aces now, you, you can double your the, the score. Three, you can triple. And four, you can quadruple the score, right? So as it works out, um, you really have to choose as you run into any royalty uh, halls, like a pair of aces, kings, queens, or jacks that come up. Are you going to haul it into your bankroll? And that will... Your bankroll is what allows you to move forward in the game, or are you going to you're going to royal make them into royalties, 
which will increase your score. So it really is, is a, a mechanism that um, is what I was looking for. It really, right? Because previously, sometimes you, you just get a good shuffle and you win by a lot, and that's really not too much fun. In this case, as you sort of feel like you're, wow, I'm really winning a lot. Let me go heavy on the royalties. Um, but you can't go too far because then you might run out. Um, and that has happened. So it's getting very close, I think, to the, the, the final rule set. I need more playtesting, but it's, this has been a 15 or 16-year journey now. I kept saying 15 years, but I've been working on it for like another year. So maybe it's 16 years. Anyway, um, <coughs> I'm going to keep playtesting it, and I'm just so excited. It, it, if I can get this really done, it's such a great game. You know, and I think I'm going to make it into a book. I, I really don't know of any other way to do it. I guess I could make my own deck, but I think a book is the best way to go because everyone has playing cards. You know, um, the game's a little complicated, but I think I don't think it'll be that hard for people to learn it. The scoring is is getting a little complicated too. I have like a scoring chart. I'd love to try to simplify that. I don't know if that's possible. We're, I have a lot of work yet to do. But what's really interesting about the game is sort of you know you it's almost sort of like what's that uh. What's that popular solitaire called? Uh, <coughs> um, where you see all the, the entire deck at once. You know the one I'm talking about. <sighs> Not golf. Golf is 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 kind of like Tri Peaks. Um, I didn't really I didn't know Tri Peaks was sort of like a, a Microsoft uh, version of of golf, um, but it's not like that at all. What's the one I'm thinking of? Free Cell. Yeah, I'm thinking of Free Cell. Um, Free sale, you see all the cards, right? So if you had one of those minds, like you're a human computer, you could figure it out immediately. So here you, you also see all the cards, but like many other games that are just so, there's so much going on. Like chess is a perfect information game. You see all the information, but the number of potential permutations is, is so high that it's still a fun game. I mean, a game like Tic-Tac-Toe is a similar game, but... You just have to learn one or two simple rules, and if you play someone else that knows those rules, you'll always have a, a tie. No one will ever win. But I feel like this really does strike a balance between um, luck and skill, decision-making, and we'll see. I've been down this road as the past couple of weeks. It's been a very intense Flea Devil time. And by the way, I mean, the, the word... the, the the game as it was like a few months ago, man, this is like so much better, a hundred times better than what it was. Flea Devil Solitaire. All right, so a little clarification on Symphonette. Um, so yeah, the birdhouse in your soul. The reason I, I don't like, uh, men, men, no, um, they might be giants, because I had a run-in with them when I was an intern at MTV. They were kind of mean to me. Anyway, the song goes, my story's infinite, like the Longines Symphonette. What is the Longines Symphonette? It was a pre-recorded classical music program broadcast nightly on many mutual broadcasting system stations from 1943 to 1949. It then moved to CBS, where it was heard Sundays at 2 p.m. from 1949 to 1957. Wow. Around the time uh, Pogo ran for president. Um, so I think Symphonette has two different meanings. It's... Um, Hold on, let me see. It is uh, a symphony orchestra that plays light music in addition to the standard classical repertoire or 
a symphony of less than standard length or for fewer instruments. So in this case, I'm talking about it being like a work of music, the Fun Pike Symphonette, which is a, a the same as a sin, Sinfonietta. So they both Sinfonietta and Symphonette have the same mean, dual meanings. Anyway, there's your definition of the Fun Pike Symphonette. Will anyone ever write the, the Fun Pike Symphonette? This sounds like it'd be a great piece of music. Anyone? Any composers? Listen, people. Uh, the, the goal of this show is people listening in the near and far future. At some point in the future, someone is going to have a lot of time on their hands, and they're going to write the Fun Pike Symphonette. I just know it. I remember the other thing I had with Pogo in the Bublini Richardson. Um, he produced this album by this band Melter Pluto, and they got all these really bad reviews from all these jerky magazines. And the reviews were like incoherent, like they were like back then. Some of the reviews had all these like obscure references and didn't make any sense. And one of the lines was something something as Pogo the Earth Dog smolders. <laughs> it was some sort of weird reference to Pogo Possum. Now, well, this sticks out in my mind. Pogo the Earth Dog smolders. Anyway, we have another card game here. Not my card game. This is Magic the Gathering. Yes. Um, I did buy some packs of Magic back in 93, which if I kept would be worth, no joke, the cards I had would probably be worth two or $300,000, but of course I gave them away a few years later. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, I've always kept, sort of, I've always been fascinated by Magic the Gathering, the collectible card game. Um, they're, they're starting their 30th anniversary celebrations which are going to be next year they're going to hit the 30 year mark no one knew this game would be so popular i never really played it pay, uh, on paper very much i just you know it's like i don't know i never really was into that social scene of playing the game and plus you could spend huge amounts of money on it it's a whole thing but anyway when they finally released magic arena a very user-friendly and beautiful interface a a a, a a version to play online, you can also play for free. Though I usually wind up spending a few hundred dollars a year on it, buying the pre-orders and stuff. But the game is great. And, and lately, if you follow the news, there is just endless news about Magic the Gathering. They release so much stuff all the time. It's a spoiler season all the time. Like new cards are <coughs> introduced constantly. And uh, But I only play on Magic Arena, which is the di- one of the two major digital ways to play. You also can play in Magic Online. I've never got into that. But whereas Magic Online pretty much has everything, you do everything you do on paper on Magic Online pretty much, Magic Arena is much more limited. It only has more recent sets, and uh, it does not have the huge backlog of uh, over 25,000 different cards that they've created for the game that you can still play. And one of the top formats is uh, is Commander that I've never played, but that's an eternal format. You could play any cards that were ever released. So anyway, they also have these unsets. Uh, unsets are sort of humorous sets that aren't necessarily legal for the main game. So there's been like unsanctioned or unwhatever, unhinged. And recently they released Unfinity. So I followed all the news of Unfinity, read all about it, but they didn't include any infinity cards in um in arena that doesn't mean they might 
eventually puts them in because unlike the other unsets, some of the cards are 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 uh, legal in eternal formats, such as commanders. Some of the cards are. If it has an acorn on it, it's not legal. Without the acorn, it is legal. So I figured I would actually buy a boost some booster packs. So these are little packs, like you know, think about baseball cards. You buy a little pack of baseball cards. There's ten or fifteen cards in there. They're random. That's how magic works. So these are uh, I have here. I bought this at Barnes and Noble. Um, the thing about these magic cards is it's almost it is like gambling because if you buy a pack of magic cards, you could open it up and it could be worth. If you were to resell it, it'd be worth you know less than what you paid. This was like thirteen dollars for three packs of. Three packs of 14 cards were like $13. So the cards are only, what, do the math, like 33 cents each or something? Um, but certain cards, if you were to open it, you could you could go to a store and sell it for like $80, $90, you know. So it is like gambling. So in all the stores, like Barnes & Noble, for example, they it's only behind the counter because people were stealing it so much. Because if you open the right card, you can make a ton of money. It's a whole thing. It's very strange. Anyway, I wanted to check out an Infinity pack because, you know, I'm always doing digital and I just don't ever, you know, see these packs in real life. And plus they introduced sticker sheets on here, which are eternal legal. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of people are horrified that they have to have little stickers. I, I, I just want to see how they are physically. This is Infinity. There's like a little dog. This is, this is a, a, a space carnival or space circus theme. Right? You'll get stickers and an outer space land in every pack. And here's what it says on the back. Zero gravity, infinite laughs. Experience the most illustrious galactotainment. What? The most illustrious galactotainment in the multiverse at Myra the Magnificent's intergalactic astratorium of fun. <coughs> Open mostly safe attractions and have the time of your life on the midway. Trade in your tickets for reusable stick for reusable stickers that power up your cards. Team up with new creatures like aliens and robots. Throw cards around. Wear lots of hats. Pet a planeswalking dog. Whatever thrills you're looking for, you'll find them here. So, there's a format, a draft format, where you you sort of you you get a pack and you'll open it up and you'll take a card out, then you'll pass it to the next person. They take a card out, yada yada. It's like a whole thing. I play, I mean, I do drafting on Arena, which is kind of similar. Um, so let's see, there's a box, and inside are indeed three foil packs of Infinity. I've seen so many videos of people opening these packs to see what they get, and I'm doing it for real. I only have three packs, though, but it's kind of cool to be doing this, like, opening magic packs. Let's see what we got in here. So there's 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 the the basic cards. There's the commons, uncommons, um, uh, rares, and then mythic rares, right? So I get a line cutter, a human rogue guest, croak crooked amphonaut, a frog guest. And what's interesting is the back of the cards. They have to make the backs of the cards exactly the same <coughs> as the original set from 1993. The idea is you can still use these cards with that set. So <coughs> uh, there, there's it says Magic the Gathering with a big TM. It says Deckmaster, and there's a there's so, there's a pen mark on there that's been reproduced how knows how many millions of times. It's kind of cool. They have to keep the same cards. It's cool to be touching actual cards rather than digital cards. 
Bar Entry, which is an instant. Rockstar, an elemental performer. Nearby Planet, this is a land. Chicken Troop, a bird performer. And here is an uncommon autograph book. It's an artifact. Autograph book enters the battlefield with a page counter on it for each person who has signed it. Three mana, tap, remove a page counter from autograph book, draw a card. Wow. Hmm. I don't know. How do you know if someone signed it? Line Prancers, they're centaur performers. They're an uncommon. The Space Family Goblinson, goblin guests. And here is a rare card, Mobile Clone. A sorcery. Using a mobile device, take a picture of target creature. That device enters the battlefield as a token. That's a photocopy of the pictured card. Wow. And here's a planes. This is the uh, space lands. You know, they did offer the lands on Arena. I passed on those. I'm not really a fan of those, but this is pretty cool. And it has a little hologram on it. Uh, planes. This is like on the surface of a planet. Then we have Cover the Spot. An artifact attraction. That's interesting. This the superlatorium, an attraction. And here is a uh, and some cards are foiled. Roxy, publicist to the stars, a legendary creature. So this could be you a, a um, you can play that in in commander because there's no. I'm trying to see what cards have. Uh, yeah, like the space family goblets, and you could use it as a commander as well. Some of these cards are are, are legal in commander, and some aren't. Yeah, Roxy Publicist of the Stars. This is a good one. I got a foil Roxy. I wonder how much that's worth. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine it's worth much. You're supposed to put stickers on the cards. When Roxy enters the battlefield, distribute up to two art stickers among one or two non-land permanents you own. Wow. And here I have a treasure token. Okay. And here's this my sticker sheet, my first sticker sheet. What is this? Oh, that's just a, just a treasure token. What is this? There's Grilliana's. There's a little menu for a fake menu. Spicy Machipulator Nachos, Green Sun Spinach, all sorts of fun stuff. So what kind of stickers did I get? I want to play with these stickers too. So the words Werewolf, Lightning, and Mage, a little toy frog, like a cell phone, and a pink teddy bear, and uh, some other stuff. Wow. Stickers, man. All right, let's see what this other pack contains. What am I going to do with this junk? I don't know. Sanguine slipper. Vampire guest. Oh, here's something we got to put a sticker on. Wolf in blank clothing. So I'm going to put that over there because I want to play with some stickers. Bamboozling beeble. Non-human cannonball. It's a clown robot. Draconian gatebot. That's a robot. Petting zookeeper. An elf employee. We champion a minotaur child guest. Priority boarding is an enchantment. Resolute veggie soar is a dinosaur employee that gives you vegetables. I don't know. An alien child guest called a real handful. Doodle characteristic. A legendary artifact creature <coughs> robot, but this is not legal in Commander because it has an acorn on it. Oh, that's cool. The island is a cool land. Balloon stand is an attraction. Push your luck. A teddy bear token. And more stickers. Eldrazi guacamole tightrope. An alert, a wizard hat, and a, a sticker of a Magic the Gathering card. That's kind of weird. Listen, did I waste $13? Of course I did, but I want to see these cards. 
final pack here. Another Sanguine Sipper. Wolf in Blank Clothing. Bamboozling Beeble. What am I getting? The same cards here. Jetpack Janitor, a Human Employee. Slight Malfunction, Ride Guide. Plot Armor. Goblin Blastronaut. Tusk and, and Whiskers. Oh, this is another uh, Commander Legal one. It's a legendary mouse elephant performer. So it's a mouse and an elephant that perform. That's cool. I like that card. Blank, blank rocket ship. We can put stickers on that. Exit through the grift shop. Another island. This one is actually seen from space. Spinny ride, trash bin, ticket bucket bot. <laughs> and this sticker's sticky Kavu daredevil. A nuclear explosion. A hat and the hell is that? Looks like a Frankenstein finger or something. I don't know what the hell that is. What's wrong with these people? <laughs> well, you should see uh, the guy that, one of the top guys there named was Mark Rosewater. When he talks about this, he's so happy. He's like, I love the space carnival. <laughs> All right, so we have the, so blank, blank rocket ships. So let's see. Let's see how this would work with these stickers. Uh, it's an artifact vehicle, four mana, colorless mana. When this vehicle enters a battlefield, you may put up to two name stickers on it. Whenever this vehicle attacks, choose a letter. This vehicle gets plus one, plus one until the end of the turn for each name sticker on it that begins with a chosen letter. Do I have two of the same letter? Sticky, Kavu, see, I, I, don't, I don't think I have. Uh, werewolf, Lightning, Mage, Eldrazi, Guac, I don't. So, we're, so what kind of rocket ship are we going to do? Like sticky guacamole rocket ship. <coughs> yeah, let's try that. So how do you what do you, how do you <laughs> how do you get these stickers off? Oh wow, they're it's, they're, they're like little stickers. I think I think it kind of has like um, post-it note stuff on there. So I'm gonna stick it on here. Sticky. This is wild. A sticky guacamole rocket ship. And you're supposed to actually do this. This is like, this is legal. People could be playing commander with these little stickers. <laughs> no, where's my guacamole? Okay, there it is. Wow, this is pretty wild. I'm playing with little stickers. And you're supposed to be able to put them back. Sticky guacamole rocket shit. Okay, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm glad I'm finally doing it. It looks kind of cool. You know, Magic the Gathering has their own font, which they stole from, uh, I wouldn't say they stole it, but it's heavily influenced by uh, Emigre Matrix, right? They just re they redrew it, which you can do with fonts. It's not stealing. All right, so now wolf in blank clothing. A wolf in werewolf clothing, that'd be kind of meta. Eldrazi, that's a, how about wolf in daredevil clothing? Let's see. <laughs> wow. I wonder if people are actually doing this with the stickers. Wow, it looks kind of cool, though. And what about... I have another wolf. Wolf in... I guess I have to do wolf in werewolf clothing. It's kind of kind of a weird meta thing. Oh, and you have to, like... This one, you have to count the number of vowels in the word. So werewolf. Unique vowels only has two. That's not a good choice. All right, so let me, let me get the little 
sticker of the nuclear explosion. I'll put it by the uh, rocket ship. Boom. <laughs> this is fun. How about the wizard hat? Because some cards care about hats. Does this guy already have a hat on or not? It's hard to tell. Well, he's going to get another hat here. Okay. Well, let me get a card to put a hat on. That's, this is this is better. All right. Here, here's a little goblin in a trash bin. I'm going to give him a wizard hat. So he would. So then he would technically have a hat on. You know what I mean? All right. Well, that's great. Well, I'm glad I did this. I, I, I was. Uh, let's see how. Let's see how much this card is worth. Foil, Roxy, Publicist to the Stars. Let's check this one out. This is probably my most valuable card, even though it's only a. Uh, it's only a uh, an, un an uncommon. So a good site you can go to is scryfall.com to get information on the Magic the Gathering cards. Let's see, Roxy. Let's see. Mm -hmm. I don't know which one is the uh, foil. 77 cents? Wow, that's not bad. <laughs> really? It's worth 77 cents. Wow. What's the most valuable card from this set? Let me see. Let's see. You can search by, by value. Price in US dollars. Steam vents. Really? Steam vents. Whoa! If you have it in foil, it's one hundred and forty-eight dollars. Look, that you could right. That's what I'm trying to say. Some of these cards are super valuable. It's amazing. <coughs> yeah, steam vents. So, th so these are the shock lands, right? The shock lands. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so like lands. What what's what's the most valuable non land? Pair of dice lost. Pair of dice lost. It's worth twenty two dollars, really. And blank goblin is worth sixteen dollars and sixty nine cents. Wow. Just for one card. See, you know what I mean? It's a wild scene. Roxy, not too valuable. No one wants Roxy. It's only seventy seven cents, for God's sakes. I voted for Pogo. Yeah, and I made sure to write down Pogo Possum, so they didn't think it was like the ape man from the, you know you know the chimp, the chimpanzee character from uh, Umbrella Academy. He's also named Pogo, or you know, or the stick, you know, Pogo stick. So I wrote uh, Pogo Possum. Yeah, it was. Uh, it felt great to to go Pogo. I never realized it was one of my life goals to vote for Pogo someday. <laughs> Yeah, it was wild. You know, as as I mentioned, this is the next the next morning. I'm going into New York City now, by the way. Um, you know, it was it was just during the afternoon. My wife called me that our neighbors asked us if we wanted to uh, go vote and then go out to dinner. And uh, so, as I've been discussing, I could not possibly stomach voting for any of the candidates listed on the ballot, as I described earlier. But I didn't want to, I, you know, I wanted to get in the spirit of things, you know, when in Rome. <laughs> to, so I wanted to vote. So I was trying to remember. <laughs> the little doggy. Hey, doggy. 
Trying to remember. <laughs> I wonder whose doggy this is. Hi, doggy. Ah. I was trying to remember, you know, what are some good characters to vote for, and Pogo came to mind. <coughs> so it was pretty wild. It's in this church, and I kind of forgot. I think I'd seen it before, but they have like a labyrinth outside, like like the Char- Chartres Cathedral labyrinth. I wanted to walk it because it's kind of like uh, <coughs> similar to the the pattern of amber, you know, that concentric circles labyrinth thing. It's not a maze because there's only one way to go. A labyrinth, that labyrinth only has one way. But anyway, uh, uh, see how we get in there, it was not busy at all. And they totally changed the, the way of voting. It was very bizarre. I mean, I, w- I would dare to say a very dreamlike voting method. I think the last time I was there it was in 2016, because in 2020, you know, they, you did all mail-in stuff. I did mail-in my vote for, uh, I think I voted for Steve Saylor for president, of course. The resource-based economy guy. At least I voted for someone I agreed with. Anyway, so w- when I was there last time, I there were voting booths. See, I thought like like the privacy of the matter was very important. So you go into booth and you pull this handle, and this curtain is you know drawn. So you're you're, you're you have a private moment, and it was electronic. So you press these buttons, and then if you want to do a write-in vote. You had to press a button, and then you had to type it in on this little, like, chiclet keyboard. It was very hard to do it. It was, like, really crappy, like, 80s technology. Little chiclet uh, keyboard. And uh, so they totally changed it. Um, Now you go in, and, you know, you don't need an ID card. You don't need a driver's license or anything. I know that's been a whole thing. Uh... I, I, I know there's been controversies about that. I guess some people just don't have ID. I don't know. But, I, well, actually, I never needed ID to vote because each polling place just has a few hundred or a few thousand people listed there. Anyway, this time you go in and you have to give your name. Then they have kind of a like an iPad kind of thing. But they have to find you on there, and you have to sign the iPad thing with this little stylus, and then you can keep it. These little cheapo I voted styluses. I guess because of, you know, they don't want people sharing styli. styli. Is, that the, is that the plural of styluses? Styli? <laughs> the plural of stylus. Styluses sounds better. I think we should get rid of that I crap. You don't, have to, you don't have to put I at the end of a word if it has an S. Just add another ES at the end. Yes. That's what I think. Because every time you have to do it, you have to make fun of it. Why not just stop doing it? Radiuses. How hard is that? <laughs> Styluses. Styli. Sorry. Stylus, not radius. But kind of a similar U.S. at the end. Anyway, then you have to write your name and sign a pen, a pen on paper, a little, um, <coughs> a little paper thing. And then they give you, so you take that and then they give you a ballot, which is just a piece of paper. And, you, and then you go to a very non-private, these little standing desk kind of things that's, you know, like uh, divided into four. And they just have Sharpies there. You, you have to fill in the little circles completely, right? You can't just do a check mark or an X. Listen, somehow they always, you know... If you put a circle on a piece of paper and you tell people you fill it in completely, you know a certain percentage of people are going to 
put an X in it or just a dot. Like, they're just not going to get it. But anyway, that's how, you know, sort of like the hanging chads issue in 2000. No matter how foolproof, you know, nothing is foolproof, as they say, because fools are so damn ingenious. They'll always figure out a way to screw up. Um, Anyway, so they had the school board on the back, and then I think it was state senate and state house, but I didn't really care about any of those. I wanted to provide Pogo with the highest possible office, so for the U.S. House of Representatives, yes, the U.S. Congress, there was a Republican, a Democrat, and a Libertarian running, so they had, and you know, I don't think every state has a write-in. It's New Jersey does. I know a lot of states do, but not every state allows for uh, write-ins. <coughs> it's a freedom we have here in New Jersey that maybe some other, other people don't have. And uh, so I filled in completely the oval with Sharpie and wrote Pogo Possum. Yes. Um, you know, like a, like a, a Sharpie is had kind of a thick stroke. It's like if you, were, if you had to write a a long name, it'd be kind of hard. Pogo Possum is kind of a short name. I'm sure not many people are doing write-ins, but anyway. So then, there's this device. It looks like a giant photocopy machine. It's like a voting machine uh, with this screen on it. And again, it looks, it's like a, it's like a little screen, but it's like very bl- pixelated and blocky. Why is it everything to do with voting or government is like this shitty, like, 1990s-level technology? You know, why, why can't they get with the program? Anyway, so you hand your little piece of paper with your name printed and your signature uh, to, the, to the attendant, and then you feed your, your ballot into the machine. <laughs> and it doesn't matter which of the uh, four ways you could do it. It doesn't matter. It, it, it'll take it anyway, you know. Right side up, upside down, left side, uh, you know, side A or side B. You feed it and it sort of gets sucked in like a photocopier. And then it's like waiting, waiting, waiting. It takes so long. And it's like, vote accepted. <laughs> so what the hell? It's like, it, it feels like we're going backwards with this stuff. It's really weird. Weird technology. But they have a paper trail. So now... They actually have my vote. If they want to see, did Frank really vote for Pogo Possum, they could dig that out of the warehouse and see that, yes, I really did, and match that to my signature, etc. But I thought, you know, like, it's not private anymore. It's like you're just out in public. People could look over your shoulder and see who you're voting for. I thought it was meant to be something that there was a private moment. If you're going to vote, who are you going to vote for? That I didn't get. That's a little weird. But then they gave out the little sticker, I voted. I'm like, oh, yes, I did. I voted Pogo. <laughs> now, listen, I would not have gone out of my way to go to the polling place to vote for Pogo, but I was being kind of, I went with, a, you know, with, with a, other people. It's not unreasonable to expect someone to vote. I'm not against voting, as I said. I just, there was no one for me to vote for. If there was, uh, I would have voted for an actual candidate. Well, Pogo was a candidate. I mean, I don't know. Did he was a candidate in 1952, and though apparently he was reluctant, but the other creatures in the swamp sort of uh, 
nominated him to run for president. And I don't know if he ever officially rescinded the running for office thing as, you know, he's a cartoon character. And again, not like these other fake politicians or whatever. I mean, he's, you know, he, he's a cartoon character. He's sort of immortal. Oh, no. I think I just missed the bus. Ugh. I don't know. I'm not going to run. I knew I was pushing it. I guess I got to wait another 20 minutes, I guess. I was pushing it. Ah. Well, who knows? I don't think I'm going to make it. Unless the, unless the light changes. If I run... is very close. I could make it or not. Am I going to make it? No. I didn't make it. Oh well. That was like on a razor's edge and look the light's just changing now. Well just imagine the show. If I had made it I would have had to pause there but now I got another 20 minutes. In the freezing cold. You know, it was like, do you understand? It was like two days ago, it was like 76 degrees, and now it's freezing out here. You understand? Crazy weather. Crazy weather. So, anyway. Damn, it's cold out here. I don't have a hat or anything. I'm not, I'm not used to going into New York. I'm not used to fiddling around out in the cold like this. I haven't done it for a while. Ah, all right. Anyway, it's all good. Ah. So yeah, as I was saying, I, I know, and I do understand. I, you know, I told my wife I was going to vote for Pogo, and she was kind of like, what? That's kind of a jerk. I, I, I know it's a jerky thing to do. <coughs> but I don't want to make a fuss and say, I'm not voting. It was, it was a, you know, as they say, necessity is the mother of invention, okay? I had to invent a way to deal with the situation when I certainly would not vote for any of those scumbags running for office in those major parties you know by the way I, I, I know they haven't uh, completely tallied the votes from last night's uh, election hijinks but uh, apparently there was not the uh, red wave that they were anticipating if anything it looks like things will be very close to how they were before at least in the House and Senate of the United States Congress. No red wave. See, I, pr- I proudly wore that uh, I voted sticker. Anyway, it felt good. I was so happy. I was like glowing all night long because of my, my voted for Pogo. It's like, I go Pogo. I'm assuming that that campaign slogan was um, kind of based on I like Ike, right? That was, you know, Eisenhower. Dwight David Eisenhower his nickname was Ike uh, how do you get that from Dwight Ike Eisenhower Ike who knows how these things happen Ooh, what kind of car is this cool car darkness <laughs> look it's a uh, Corv- it's a black classic Corvette and, and the <laughs> license plate says darkness with one S at the end wow Real edgelord there. I may have... I some reason, I think I may have seen that one before. At some point, hanging out at the bus stop on the show, I think I may have seen the Darkness Corvette. Anyway. I know. I get it. I, I get that vibe, you know. It's black. You want to be cool. You know. 
Why wouldn't you want to be cool? Well, it could be a bit cringy, but coolness and cringiness go hand in hand in some cases. Anyway, there's a razor's edge. But I go pogo. I like Ike, you know. I have to do more research. And also, I want to find that article. I have that article of how there was a riot at Harvard having, uh, when they were supporting Pogo back in, the, in 52. So it's like exactly 70 years ago, right? It was Election Day ni- in 1952, and this is now 2022, the future. But um, I Go Pogo kind of reminds me of, it kind of resonates with that album title, I Should Coco, by Supergrass. Remember Supergrass? Caught by the fuzz. Well, I was still on the buzz. I've revisited. I remember I bought that album as an import back in whatever nineteen ninety-five or whatever year it was. In retrospect, it was not the best album or the best group, but it was interesting, right? I should Coco, I go Pogo. I wonder if they were. I wonder if they were saying like I should go, like I should go, go, but I should Coco. Maybe that. Maybe that's slang in their their local area of England. Oi, I should go-go now. Let's get out of here. Jeez, it, it's the fuzz. That's a, when, I, when I try and remember the name of the band, I'm like, what, are they Super Fuzz? No, no, that's a different band. Super Grass. Cut by the fuzz. Oh, that, that's why I thought it was fuzz. I was still on the buzz. I remember they had one song on the album that was, like, sped up, and it was just so annoying. Every time you listen to the CD, you had to listen to this stupid song that was sped up to, like, double speed. I can just imagine they were in the studio and it accidentally played it double speed. And they're like, no, we keep that. That sounds great like that. You know, maybe it sounded great in the moment, but try to think of millions of people. Let's not get over it. Let's, thousands of people, tens or hundreds of thousands of people. There was a pretty popular band having to hear that damn sped up song over and over again on your CD. <coughs> At least you can fast forward on a CD. <coughs> if they had it on a cassette, they'd have to manually fast forward. Then they might miss some of the next song but how about 8-track no I don't think they had, I don't think they were doing 8-track at that point 8-track was kind of done by that point I think but they could have released an 8-track version just to be cool you know edgy yeah so anyway we uh, after that we uh, went to uh, Egan's in uh, Montclair a bar and had no idea that it was trivia night Joe Trivia is a trivia company and we were doing trivia and uh, we almost won the trivia contest. There, I had a few, you know, a few really good... Uh, I mean, there were tough questions. And, of course, you know, I think everyone... They didn't say anything. Everyone knows you're not going to look it up on your phone. you got to do it from memory. That's the spirit of the thing. It's the spirit of the game, you know. Um, a couple questions. My, the one that I really... Because we were talking about it as a group, me, my wife, Denise, and our neighbors, Sue and Brad... Uh, the one question that I really was so happy I got right. Um, <coughs> there are two states in the United States that border seven other states. One of them is Tennessee. What is the other one? Obviously, when they were saying border seven other states, Tennessee popped right in my mind. And uh, others in my group were saying, come on, Kentucky, Kentucky. I'm like, no, I don't. Kentucky does not have seven. I'm like, wait a minute. Missouri. And, and, and Brad was saying, like, Kansas. I'm like, no, Missouri. Like, Missouri? You really think so? I'm like, no, I'm sticking to my guns. Missouri, Missouri is it. And it, and it was right. Missouri does border seven other states. So I was very happy about that. Um, what was the other question? Like, so some of them I just knew. Like, this, 
Why? You know, these people honking as soon as the light turns. I, f- I forgot about this crap at the bus stop. These impatient jerks. I mean, the light just turned green and there's a split second and honking. What's wrong with these people? And another question was that this, this martial arts, this form of martial arts was developed by the Israeli military and I immediately, I just knew Krav Maga. Everyone else was like, what? We never heard of that. Krav Maga. But then, the final question where we could have won it all, or at least come in second, uh, was... Uh, In 2002, which Muppet, um, which Muppet testified before Congress about music education in the United States? And I immediately said Elmo, but then my wife was like, wait a minute, who's that drummer, the drummer from the band? I'm like, oh, Animal? I'm like, yeah, wait a minute, like, uh, you know, Elmo really doesn't have a lot to do with music, but, you know, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, like, that's a band. Yeah, it could have been... I mean, I really thinking back on it, he wouldn't have made a really good. He wouldn't have done well testifying in Congress. But we put Animal down and risked all our points, and we lost. We came in third, though, out of about nine teams. But if I should have just gone with my gut and and, and uh, went with Elmo, we would have come in first or definitely. I mean, maybe second because the one team was getting everything right. I don't know if they were cheating. Hopefully, no one. I, I don't know. I, I just got thrust into this. I had no idea it was going to go to trivia night at this at this bar. But this place has like like a vegan uh, portion of the menu, so they, uh, you know, that's why we went there because there's some vegan food. Also makes me wonder all these places they have nothing for vegans. It's Egan's, so <laughs> that's the word vegan without the V. It just so happens it's, it's so maybe that's what inspired them to have a vegan portion because they're Egan's. Their last name is Egan, Egan and Sons. But like. We were deciding where to go, and because they had a vegan... It's not all vegan. They has had a few vegan items. We decided to go there. Doesn't that sound like it would drum up business if you throw a few vegan, thing, vegan things in there? Come on. But anyway, it was, it was pretty good. And, uh, you know, we came in third. But anyway, I should have gone with my gut. Elmo. Krav Maga. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, I'm going to read about this Pogo riot. So yeah, the the students in 1952 were were, were having a rally for Pogo. You know. So here's a story from 1987. Looking back 35 years, this is a long time ago, the possum caused a riot. And this is from the Harvard Crimson. So the student newspaper. I was in college at that time too in 87. Wow. The image that lingers on in everyone's mind is of Cambridge police clubbing Paul R. Rugo, class of 55, a young clean-cut freshman while he lay defenseless on a street in Harvard Square. Virtually every student in the college saw the photograph that captured the moment splashed across the front page of the Crimson the next morning. And if they didn't see the picture there, they likely saw it a few days later when it was printed as Life Magazine's Picture of the Week. Rugo was beaten on a hot and humid spring evening during spring reading period 35 years ago. That night, police arrested 28 Harvard students in what has become known as the Pogo Riot. Fought in the name of the famous possum from Okefenokee Swamp in Florida, who was eliciting a groundswell of grassroots support in Harvard Square, at least for election to the president's... In Harvard Square, at least, for election 
to the Presidency of the United States of America. The Harvard campus first learned of Pogo's candidacy on May 8, 1952, when the Crimson announced the formation of a political movement to counter campus support for the impending presidential candidacies of General Dwight D. Eisenhower and Illinois Governor Adlai Stevenson. Why Pogo? It had the faintest possible whiff of social criticism, says Daniel Ellsberg, class of 52. It was slightly spoofing the establishment. Then, just as the races for the Republican and Democratic nominations were reaching a peak, the Crimson distributed 3,000 3, free I Go Pogo buttons to students. Oh, I need one of those buttons. Who devoured the newspaper's supply of buttons in less than 90 minutes. Crimson editors decided to take advantage of the new craze. They set up shop in the Winthrop House suite. What? Oh, God, please... How did did I get spyware on my phone? Jeez. Was Harvard's has spyware? They set up shop in the Winthrop House suite of J.R. Nussbaum, class of 52. The principal editors of the crime were living in the room next to me, says Nussbaum, who now works for the Agency for International Development in Washington, D.C. Their policy was never to have a story about their own people. My proximity made my name available to them. The campaign, with Nussbaum as its figurehead manager, quickly snowballed, and the Crimson invited Pogo's creator, Walt Kelly, to Harvard to deliver a chalk talk for his character. Everyone got in on the game. The Harvard band prepared to provide cacophonic... cacophonic? Cacophony? Cacophonic? Background for the melee, the Crimson reported, and students made appropriate signs to welcome Kelly and show their support for Pogo. The student newspaper promised a fresh supply of I-Go-Pogo buttons. Cambridge Police Chief Patrick J. Reedy gave his approval for the political demonstration, but warned that patrolmen would be on hand in case the crowd got out of control. Organizers planned for students to rally across from the yard, in the spot where Holyoke Center now stands, and then march to the new lecture hall to hear Kelly's speech, but things did not come off as planned. Kelly's arrival from Logan Airport was delayed, and the crowd on Mass Avenue grew antsy. It also grew large. As the clock ticked on, the number of students milling about the square waiting for Kelly multiplied from about 200 to 1,600. The density of the crowd increased, and the traffic in the square became terribly congested. The electric trolley, still in use in 52, could not make their way through the square because of the students blocking the streets and the backup of other traffic. The handful of students, perhaps for lack of anything better to do, began to disconnect the poles linking the trolleys to their source of energy on the wires overhead. Police rushed the crowd, beating and arresting students. Rugo, now a Boston attorney, says he remembers the evening. Like it was yesterday, dressed in his ROTC uniform, Rugo says he was walking down Mass Avenue with his date, now his wife. I had nothing to do with the pogo parade, Rugo says. (coughs) All of a sudden it just erupted. Outside of J. August and Company, policemen honed in on Rugo and told him he was under arrest. He received no response when he, when he asked what the charges were against him. The police swung furiously, and I swung back, he says, adding that his flying punches landed him in the paddy wagon on his way to jail. Five of the 28 Harvard students towed away by the police were crimson editors. Meanwhile, Kelly arrived to deliver his speech 
which was interrupted several times by spontaneous pogo stick races down the aisles of the auditorium. It's madness. The instigator of the mayhem, students who were here at the time say, was Crimson Managing Editor Lawrence D. Saraduff, class of 53, whom two-time Pulitzer Prize-winning writer J. Anthony Lucas, class of 55, describes as a shrewd cookie. When Lucas who later ruined with Savadov in Winthrop, speaks of him. He recalls the New Jersey native silk chartreuse socks and his success with members of the opposite sex. Chartreuse is is that green color, but some people think it's magenta because of the Mandela effect. But Lucas also characterizes Savadov as brilliant. How long is this article, by the way? I, I, I I had no idea how long this was. A con man of the first degree. So So Lucas says, when Savadov told him he was intentionally delayed Kelly's arrival at the square, he believed him. Larry masterminded, masterminded the Pogo riot, Lucas says. Savadov, it turns out, picked Kelly up at the airport but took him for a pit stop at a bar before driving on to Cambridge. Savador deliberately delayed the route so that the crowd would be large and restless, says David Halberstam, class of 55. Something was likely to happen, Lucas remembers. Something did. Others who were editors at the Crimson at the time say they are not sure Savadov planned to be late, but all agree such a student, such a stunt fell well within his bag of tricks. I wouldn't put it past him, says then-Crimson President Philem M. Cronin, class of 53. All right, I, I have to stop now because it's just, this, this article goes on and on. But anyway, you get the idea. There's a huge riot because of Pogo. I didn't know about that. Listen, and Pogo continues to cause mayhem with my vote last night. Well, that was very, a very calm. It was not mayhem, but... Yes. I had to sort of, you know, reveal that I'm not enamored of the, either the Republicans or the Democrats or even the Libertarians. In fact, I disagree with all of them so much I could not bear to vote. For, I could not bear to fill out that oval with Sharpie on any of them which is a position I'm sure many people don't understand. If you're a Republican, you might be like, oh my God, you're helping the Democrats win. If you're a Democrat, oh my God, you're helping the Republicans win. And if you're a Libertarian, you're like, ah, whatever, we're not going to win anyway. (laughs) All right, I'll be back. We're here. Port Authority bus terminal in New York City. Ooh, look, playing cards. I need to get it. I forgot to bring a deck today. I couldn't play Flea Devil on the bus, so I had to play Marvel Snap instead. That drains the battery so much. Luck- luckily, I had a, a battery pack to keep my phone charged. My back hurts a little bit, but it's not the usual lower back pain that I've talked about so much that's associated with this uh, kind of a mental issue, tension myositis syndrome. Um... But rather, I sat down to give the, the, my cats treats the other day, and I just bashed my back in, into this uh, copper pot we have there. For the, the cat toys are in it. I just really hit it at the really bad angle. So it was. Hopefully, it'll uh, clear up in a little while. But it's kind of annoying. Yeah, forty second and eighth. Yeah, yeah. It's just so weird because I'm not used to coming into New York. It just sort of 
it just seems a little unreal or it seems like you know uh, like an image of days past but it, this is today this is the moment no what, there's a new five below over there no wait a minute they're putting all sorts of fun stuff on 42nd Street Target five below it's just like being at any other strip mall in Jersey you can, you can go to all these stores Wow, I'm below. This way. Wow, big traffic jam here on 8th. This guy's trying to cross the street even though his car's coming. He must be in a real hurry. Ah, come on. All right, we're all going to go too. I'll go with the crowd. So where do they put the... Uh, is this where that... Uh, isn't there like a Mexican place called Chevy's here for, for forever and ever? I think a lot of the stores on 42nd Street, they just can't afford the rent. They jack up the rent so much. Let's see. Five below. Is it open? I mean, it's basically like a dollar store. Let's go. Let's go to five below. So look, you go in here, and then you go up an escalator. Usually you go down. Like, like there's a Target right down the street, and you go, is this, oh, it's not open yet. Wow. I could have sworn it was open, but <laughs> there's an escalator going up. Oh, well. They must be uh, almost, almost ready to open. Oh, well. There's a five below down the street on uh, 5th, anyway. It's not that exciting. It's just a bunch of like cheapo crap, and they and they also have uh, ten dollar, fifteen and dollar, and twenty dollar departments now too. Because uh, inflation, you know. What is this? Oh, the movie the movie theater is still here. Okay, Regal Cinemas, but the uh, marquee has changed. What's going on over here? Why does it feel like my right shoe is like slowly becoming untied? It's so annoying. Captain Cookie and the Milkman, what is this? These dreamlike stores here. It's 2022, man. What do you want? What is this? 1776, the musical A Win for Life and Liberty. A roundabout Theater Company. Today at 2 and 8. Wow, you can go see the show at 2 p.m. That sounds good. Kind of go on my lunch break. 1776, worth celebrating. Wow. Exciting. What the heck is this? There's an answering machine here. I'll take a picture of it. I don't want to touch it. Unless if there's a if there's a cassette inside. Uh, this is on 42nd, right right uh, right by Harry Potter, and it's a Panasonic AutoLogic Isophone. And uh, does this have a? I don't know if it has a cassette. Should I just <laughs> let me see? If there's a cassette in there. Oh, there's two micro cassette slots, but they're both gone. I can't believe I touched that. Very cool, ancient phone from the 
80s, probably the 90s. Well, you know, I, I, all, I did go to, uh, there was that guy called The Professor on WFMU who went to every store he could find. Flea markets, garage sales, junk shops to find old cassettes that people recorded themselves on. So I tried doing that a bit too. I found a few cassettes. Kind of an interesting field of study. I wonder if that guy is still around, The Professor. Do you ever notice any, everyone that has any kind of radio show has like a fake name but me? I use my real name. I don't know what's up with that. Well, I almost used a fake name, The Rampler. But I, got, I, got, I got away from that. I didn't want to be phony. Hey, I'm The Rampler. Are you really? No, you're Frank Nora. Get out of here. But I guess it could be some benefits to having a fake name because they don't know who you are. I gotta sit down somewhere and tie my shoe. It's like this is really pissing me off. Wow, look, one Times Square is really being renovated. It was just a Walgreens just a little while ago. Now what happened? They're redoing it. Remember when it was the Drug Enforcement Museum? That was cool. Very cool. They had a whole like uh, cocaine operation like recreated on the second floor <laughs> it's really weird it's one of those things you'd think isn't real but it was real it was right here the drug enforcement for like two years it was here the drug enforcement museum i know i talked about it on the show contemporaneously with it being open yeah a lot of construction going on in times square as usual I'm going to go to uh, Amazon uh, Go, grab some stuff. They have like that, a drink with like uh, green, greens, you know, green, like spinach and I don't know, hopefully that, uh, was that stuff, plankton? No, not plankton. Um, algae, <laughs> maybe. Ooh, they're dressing, they're dressing up the mannequins in the window of uh, H&M, nice. Can you, is plankton, is that considered like vegan? I don't know. Because <laughs> they're little animals, aren't they? Tiny life forms. I don't know. That's a good question. Luckily, you don't, you don't, you're not faced with like plankton burgers and stuff. There's not a lot of <coughs> plankton to eat. You don't have to worry. You don't really have to worry about that much. <coughs> hey, hey, it's lunchtime. And uh, on the way out, I, uh, I stopped by the goods market. It's a... It's a new uh, newsstand instead of the usual newsstand fair. It's all like cool, hip, fun products. And uh, I was talking to the guy there. <coughs> He's like, it's all generally still junk food, but it's stuff that won't that won't really kill you. And I'm like, oh my god, you have Uncle Joe's mint balls. He's like, yeah, we just got those recently. I was, I was telling him the only place I know where to find those is uh, Chelsea Market. He's like, oh, is that still there? It's kind of cool. Like a random conversation. Anyway, so yeah, I'll probably go there. <coughs> Maybe get some of Uncle Joe's mint balls or whatever. They have a ton of different products I've never seen before. Anyway, what we have here is uh, <coughs> excuse me, Wonderland Dreams at WonderlandDreams.com. This uh, is uh, appears to what was the uh, <laughs> last time I was here was Best Buy, and now it is what is this? Opening October seventh. I don't know anything about this. Fall down the rabbit hole and become part of the painting. Huh. Tickets available. 
what else do they say here? Immersive art exhibit, wine bar and cafe, and gift show. <coughs> gift show? Could it be a gift shop, maybe? Maybe it's the wrong letter? I don't know. <coughs> but it's kind of cool. It's like, uh, what happened to Best Buy? Out of business. Wow. This must be like an in-between thing. There's no way an interactive. Let me see what I can see inside there. I don't know. That looks kind of cool. Yeah, that's the stairway that you go down in Best Buy to go to the camera department, the computers and stuff. They do have like a gift shop. I don't know. I don't need to worry about Wonderland Dreams. <coughs> it's kind of interesting that that's what they turned the uh, Best Buy into. What the hell? That guy was walking like this weird way, almost like a Frankenstein walking. He almost walked right into me. What's going on with people in this reality? Oh, yeah. Oh, even on the side there, on uh, 40, what, 44th Street, there used to be the windows of uh, Best Buy. They have giant plants and stuff. Why does everyone, why is everything so, like, everyone keeps harping on Alice in Wonderland, like, for everything. Can we, like, get past that? Oh, wait. They moved Best Buy. Wait, here's Best Buy. They moved it right across the street. The hell, what sense does that make? Wait a minute. <coughs> what? They... It's right across the street now. Maybe it's a smaller space. Wow. What, I'm trying to remember what this was before. That's odd. So, yeah, maybe their lease was up and they moved across the street here. It's still Best Buy. Wow, man. <coughs> That's wild. So much stuff has happened. I haven't been, haven't been over here that much. I, I, I mean, I used to come up the street all the time. Anyway, you know what I mean? Like, I get Alice in Wonderland is like a... A book this guy wrote, Lewis Carroll, and there's been some adaptations of it. Why is everyone constantly like obsessed with it? I mean, I know there's been some connection with that in the sinister Illuminati, MK Ultra type stuff. But listen, there's no proof for that stuff. Maybe it's not true. Hopefully, it's not true. It's horrifying. But you know, like just I don't know. I I think I think it does really kind of resonate with people that there is another world right next to this one. As I always talk about the theory of uh, other worlds being so close to us, at some level people know or they remember. But currently, <coughs> the average citizen here, like me, I'm John Q. Public, okay? Uh, <coughs> we don't have access to, nor do we have information about the other worlds that are so nearby. Why? Why not just tell us about it? Well, they could, and then the world would be much different, right? It would be much different, a much different world if we knew about these other worlds than if the information is suppressed. I've theorized that both versions of the world exist, both timelines, the one where it remains a secret, this one, and the one where they told us about everything. And uh, I think th this one has its uh, benefits and charms. Uh, it, it's, it's a very different experience not having any information. Of course, this is all pure speculation. Now I'll go to Barnes & Noble. I should buy some playing cards to do more playtesting. But I guess I can't... Yeah, I, I can playtest on the bus. Okay, but not really while walking around. That's not really safe. I shouldn't play Flea Devil while walking around. <coughs> what is this? A Lego boutique hotel with 3,066 pieces. Wow, that must cost a pretty penny. <coughs> Modular Buildings Collection, wow. 
Yeah, it seems like they got rid of their games department, which is weird, because I went to the one by me in Clifton, uh, to Barnes & Noble, and they still had their uh, games department, so I'm not sure what's, what's up with that. Maybe they're transitioning? I don't know. There's, like, no games. <coughs> Maybe they weren't selling well. I don't know. Let's go this way. Yeah, you know, as much as I'd like to go to a different place every time for lunch... I really have to get that ramen again that I had last week. Tomo Tomo. It was so good. It's like a repeat, but it's worth it. I must get it. Not too, It's actually a little, little bit of a walk from here, but I need the exercise. Feeling kind of eh today. Stomach's upset. My back hurts a little bit. I just feel kind of out of it, you know? <coughs> anyway, yeah, walking around that Barnes & Noble, it's just like wild. It, it really is like the pa- walking through the past. Uh, it doesn't even feel like it should exist anymore. But I'm glad it does. It is sort of like, you know, I feel like I'm touching the past going to that Barnes & Noble. But it doesn't really feel like it's going to be around that much longer, to be honest. But I remember getting the same feeling over at the Virgin Megastore in Times Square in its last few years. It just felt tired and old and not vibrant at all. sunny out here. Fifth Avenue. Or is this Sixth Avenue? Sorry. Yeah, Sixth Avenue. Sorry. <coughs> so I was listening to Brain Waltz era, however you pronounce that. I remember listening to Brain Waltz era uh, in the past. It says secret musician who plays music in the vein of uh, Aphex Twin or Boards of Canada and it's really good and there's an album it looks like it came out in May I missed it um, I go down this street even though this is not the street I need I feel like this feels like a good street to go down I'll switch over <coughs> yeah it's like uh, you know it's that electronic music <coughs> it's the three words brain waltz era and just all together, Brain Waltzer. And some people think it is probably Richard D. James or Apex Twin making the music, but no one knows. No one knows. It's so good. So, very happy to have discovered a great new album to listen to that's fairly recent. Yeah, the new album is called It's a Me. I T S A M E. I would imagine it's in reference to. Uh, Wario, the video game character. It's a me. No, Mario, not Wario. It's a me, Mario. It's all in caps. It's a me. I guess you could also pronounce it it's same, but it's a me. It makes it seems much better. Let's see if we're gonna find some music by Brain Waltz era here. As we're walking along. Oh, is this the Diamond District? Is it? I don't know. I'm all confused. I'm very confused. I think it is a diamond district I'm walking down. Alright, let's see what we got here. No, that's not it. Hmm. It's a me. That's it. Let's fast forward a bit, just to give you an idea what it sounds like.
really all you need to hear. You know what it's all about. And that the logo, it's like, I think it's sort of like <coughs> referencing uh, like a stylized face. I think from an Emerson, Lake, and Palmer album cover. <coughs> it was quite good, though. It's this genre known as IDM, or intelligent dance music. Oh, you remember those those uh, those Russian guys I used to know, I used to work with. They used to they used to work over here. They would stand outside the uh, the jewelry shop and try to try to bring people in to buy wedding rings. That was their job once they left uh, Scholastic. There's this guy Russell. And I always wanted him to come on the show. He always refused to come on the overnight skate, which I was doing even back. Was I even doing it back then? Hmm. I wasn't. So how did I... No, I was doing Bluffcosm. Okay, that's it. I wanted him to come on Bluffcosm.com. Yeah. Not, not the overnight skate. Yeah. That's what I wanted him to come on. I was doing Bluffcosm back then. 2000, 2001, 2002, that kind of time period. Russell and Arthur. <coughs> I think I've seen Russell... On Facebook, at least as of a couple of years ago. Where are they now? Who knows? All these people you used to work with, there's so many of them now. Thousands of these people. All spread out across the universe, doing their thing. It's wild. Wait, I think this was the place they were hanging out in front of. Wouldn't it be cool if they're still working there? They got they were young guys, they were like twenty early twenties back then, but they gotta be like fifty now. Maybe not 50, but they got to be in their 40s by now. It's so far in the future. It's like over 20 years in the future. <coughs> yeah, they'll be in their 40s. Yeah, it was one of these stores over here. I think this was the one, 58A, Daniel Diamonds. I think that was the one. And there's a guy hanging out outside, smoking a cigarette. I think, I think people come here looking for uh, wedding rings and stuff. <coughs> the Diamond District. I didn't even know I was walking down the Diamond District. All my Jewish Jewish brethren. <laughs> well, I'm not Jewish, but I, I found out I had a Jewish grandfather. I'm 23 in me. So. That doesn't make you Jewish, though. But there's some genetics in there. All right. What, what, what is it? What is everyone hanging out on the street look insane? I, you know, that's a, that's the one question I have. <laughs> everyone looks completely insane. I don't know. Fifty-second Street. See, I need I need to get out and walk. I feel better walking around. <coughs> hey, I'm on Fifty-first. I remember there's that breezeway going through the building on Fifty-second, so I figured I may as well go through that way to go up to Fifty-second. Uh, but I see here Urban Hawker, another food hall. Right, I think I'm gonna. There's a stop sign here, so I can cross the street hopefully. <coughs> Mid-block crossing without a light. Urban Hawker. Singapore street food. Come explore flavors. So what is this place? Oh, it, no, it's a, it's a Singaporean food hall. Oh, my goodness. Yet another food hall. They're everywhere. They, listen, these people have been busy since I haven't been coming into New York too much, building all these food halls in New York. Daisy's Dream. They have nyanya nasi lemak, nyanya curry chicken, 
How about Nyanya vegan food? I don't know. Pokeballs? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's kind of cool, though. I mean, it looks like they have a depressing seating area downstairs. Listen, I was going to get that uh, ramen, but if I find something here, you know. Uh, well, truffle salted guacamole. I don't know. I don't know if that looks that good. It, it does say vegan, but... All from Singapore. Mamak's Corner, best Singapore's Indian cuisine. Mr. Fried Rice. Smokin' Joe. I, mean, I don't know, Singapore, you'd think they might have some vegan stuff being, being in the east. The far east. But, I don't know. How about uh, Stingray Fried Rice? You can eat an actual cooked Stingray. Wouldn't, wouldn't that like stun you and like, and like paralyze you? I mean, what the hell? Original white bihoon. Hmm. This is huge. Wow, prawnaholic. If you like prawns, you get some prawns here. Hainan Jones. Hainanese chicken rice. Ashes. Ashes burn it. It's a very, very dreamlike place. It's just. But I, I mean, there's so many food halls now. Yeah. Burgers, Kopi Fellas, Singapore Traditional Coffee, <coughs> yada, yada. And wow, look, I'm back to 50th Street here. I'm, I'm, I'm taking two steps forward and one step back. I mean, trying to, trying to get to that other place. All right, I don't know. It doesn't really seem that there's many, uh, many uh, opportunities here. Lady Wong, pastry cakes, and quick. What is quick? Dumplings, Jakarta Munch. Uh, I mean, you know, like if, if anyone put the word vegan on the menu, like I would buy it. Like, I don't really understand. Like, aren't they losing customers by like? I don't know. Tradition pork fried knuckles, fried pork knuckles. Great. See, this is really not a place for vegans. I, I'm starting to get that. I'm starting to get that sense. Fish cutlets. Okay. All right, let me go to the other place. I like this place, but I don't know. I'd, I'd have to dig in and see what I could get here. Walk and staple. Yeah, this is very meat-oriented, so, yeah. Vegan fail. Urban hawker. <coughs> but I, I, I even... I've been researching food halls here in Midtown Manhattan, and that didn't even come up. You know what I mean? There's like so many food halls. Here's the breezeway. What, I remember I did a show called like Stripes on Yellow or something, because there's like yellow stripes up here. Vaguely. Maybe it was the Frank Norris show or something. And here's a rabbit on top of a bell. Eh, not, not one of the better sculptures I've seen. I mean, if you're, if you're going to do a bell and a rabbit, which almost seems like it's symbolic of something. I don't know. It could be done a lot better than that. And look, there's escalators going down. There's the Athletic and Swim Club. <clears throat> wow. Oh, okay. Remember I saw this one? It's an elephant with some sort of rabbit on top and standing on a bell. There's... Yeah, 
This one, they added a, a, an elephant to the bell and rabbit uh, scheme. And here it is, urban space, yay! Alright, back to the depressing seating area here. Same exact thing, the vegan ramen with extra noodles. And, uh, really looking forward to this. It was so great, just six days ago having this. There's some uh, almost sad sunlight coming in from the outside, maybe reflected off something. It truly is a dark and delightful, though depressing seating area. So I'm thinking about morphic resonance a lot. Like this morning, right? For example. So morphic resonance is the idea that there's another field in nature like gravitation or magnetism that has to do with the shape or the nature of things. The idea that all things are connected and things uh, <coughs> that are like other things resonate with each other. So like this morning I got up, I don't know, about 6 a.m., sitting there in front of my computer. I was really out of it. I'm like, what, what am I really going into work today? Like I'm going to get up and go outside and then walk to the bus stop and then take the bus and, and go to the office and be around other people in the office. Like, like there's no way. I, I don't feel at all capable of that. Like, in the moment, I didn't really feel capable of doing that, you know? But then as you just sort of, I'm like, I'm never going to get ready. So much stuff, that I put stuff in my backpack and this and that. But <coughs> then <coughs> as you move forward through the stages, everything just sort of comes to you. It just feels natural walking to the bus stop, waiting for the bus stop, being on the bus, right, and then being at work. Like every, it just sort of comes to you. It doesn't feel like it's going to work, <coughs> but it just does. <coughs> and I think that, you know, like in the moment, you may not be able to sort of detect what it will be like to be in that situation, but you're sort of, like you receive a package of um, competencies based on the situation that you're in, Right. Yes, it's hard to say. And then I was waiting. It took longer than normal to get my ramen. Looking at the food hall here, and everyone standing around. and You know, I've always wondered, <laughs> you know, if this is reality, you know, like, isn't it wasteful to have so many similar things? Like, a bunch of people standing around, you know. Like, couldn't you just have one master copy of a bunch of people standing around? And then you would just have uh, sub-variations of that. But I think that, in a sense, what we're talking about is... Um, a food hall like this, right? The way you understand it, your cognition about it, is uh, in terms of morphic resonance, would be <coughs> all the other human experiences being at food stands, food halls, food courts would sort of play into that. And the more people that have been to places like that, the more easy it is to understand, <coughs> right? So, <coughs> in a way, you're understanding it. Right, so the idea is if it's truly a physical world that you're operating in a body with senses, it would then be the interpretive layer, right? <laughs> you're seeing the basic visual data and the sound and all the sens sensory data of being a place like this, but in order to make sense of it, it goes through the sort of the cognition of all humankind to sort of resolve it as a conscious experience, right? So in that case, all 
places like this are sort of merged together at once. You're sort of in a way a master place. Like obviously the closer it is to you, the more stronger it would be in your cognition. So your own personal experience, places you've been, other places in New York City, right? The recent past. And then stuff from more distant places in the distant past would play into your cognition, but not as much. But then, of course, it begs the question, if this is some kind of system that's generating experiences that, at some point, the physical reality of it doesn't even need to exist. It's just a series of experiences that are part of this resonant system. i got to work on that one a bit more. All right, now it's ramen time. So, yeah, you can go. Look, I, I, I left uh, urban space and went through that breezeway, then I went back through Street Hawker. What's the name of the place? Street Hawker. And then there's another pass through mid-block. And now here's that, that thing with the waterfall and the glass tunnel. So you can go straight down through on, on mid-block here. It's wild. <coughs> and now here's more sculptures. It's a dog with a camera and a rabbit with a camera. It's a little better quality than the other ones. <laughs> Paparazzi Dog Man and Paparazzi Rabbit Girl by Gillian Mark. <coughs> Great, leaf blowing. Meet the awe Oh my god, I can't even talk. Meet the awe inspiring seven foot tall hybrid character named Paparazzi Dog. Okay, whatever. Well, I can't take it. I hear that every day at home and I'm working from home. And now I have to hear it here by the Dog Man. Get out of here. Dog man. Any mid block here? This is the Jones, James Earl Jones Theater? What? <coughs> oh, this is uh, the 45th? This is the area that used to have all the uh, Sam Goodies and stuff, all the music stores, right? I think. Yeah, I'm telling you. I think it had a different name, the theater. Now it's called James Earl Jones. Thank you for using Bell Atlantic. <coughs> that guy. And Darth Vader, too. Starring six-time Tony Award winner Audra McDonald. Uh, who? Hypnotic nail-biting suspense, says the New York Times. Sounds thrilling. <coughs> anyway. Ooh, I can go through here, too, right? Remember I tried doing this before, you go through these mid-block um, walkways. Yeah, there's one over here too. So you never even have to go over to 6th Avenue. Eventually I'll have to. But. Oh yeah, this one. Proper food. Take boring out of the boardroom. Catering individually packed and ready for your team. Everyone has slogans. There's slogans everywhere. Sloganeering. <coughs> Gutfeld? What is that? Chemistry room? What is Gutfeld? <coughs> is it a play? Is it a interactive experience? What is it? <coughs> and look, is that another one? Can I go through there? It's another one. 
Wow, you can go all the way through. Oh, and there's Diamond Row again. Okay, no, that's the 40s. Uh, no, no, I was totally wrong. That was 48th Street. Wait, this is only 47th? What's going on? Well, I don't remember this one. There's so many. There's so many of these. It's really cool, though. It's like a new world of Midtown. Well, I was on 52nd, so I was pretty high up there. So it makes sense I'm only on 47th at this point. Come on, let me cross. They're going so slow. So what's up with this one? It's just another walkway through the, uh, the building. Nice. I don't know if, I if you can recognize this one. There's multicolored bricks. Brick color at the base and then a off-white, some blues. Kind of cool. It's all different. New York City's all different. <coughs> yeah, I don't know if that ramen experience was quite as good as it was last week. Listen, last week I, was, I felt great. I don't know what it was. It was like, uh, it was just, I, was, I felt great. I was in a great mood. And today I'm just really out of it. <coughs> Maybe it's balancing out. I felt good last week, so this week I feel like crap. Could be. All right, so this is 46 now. What's, what, is there a way to get through here? How about Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis High School of International Careers? I don't, I don't think I've ever seen any of this stuff. All right, I think the mid-blockers are done. Look, four or five coffee roasters. <coughs> F-O-R space F-I-F-E-F-I-V-E. And they're using the old subway token with the <coughs> Pentagon cutout representing the five boroughs as their logo. Wow, I wonder how many people remember that. <coughs> that was a while ago for that token. Here's some more theater. Defies all expectation. You will get sick. <laughs> Great, that sounds very pleasant. And also, home is where the healing is, the bandaged place. It's not like very unpleasant theater experiences, please. Getting sick and being bandaged? What is this, the new thing? <clears throat> you watch other people, like, being sick so you feel okay if, if you're not sick? What the hell's up with that? <coughs> it's kind of off. kind of weird. Chilly out here. Chilly afternoon. On the way back to the place of work. All right, heading out. My God, what a torture it was. I, I was like sitting there, really feeling quite unwell. I don't know what to say. This kind of, like, I don't know if you want to say like bloating or whatever in my lower gut. Just something feels off. <laughs> I don't think it's anything serious. It's just kind of like annoying. And then just really sitting there right by the window and the sun is so bright, it's just sort of like completely draining all my energy. I was like nodding off. I was like in pain and it's like, what a, what a torture. Finally, I'm out. <coughs> I was looking at like when was, sun when was sunset. I was so looking forward to the sun going down because it was so, so annoying. <coughs> but finally, I got out and it's, uh, I feel much better now that it's nighttime. I feel a little more, a little little more alert <coughs> and uh yeah stop by that uh the goods market whatever that place is called i did buy uncle joe's uncle joe's mint balls and they had uh tapache in a can it's like a 
<coughs> Mexican beverage based on, I think, fermented uh, pineapples, if I'm not mistaken. So I was talking to the proprietor there, complimenting them on their selection, you know. Tapache I've only ever seen at uh, this place that used to be called Dean's, but it's now called Green's by my father's house down in uh, Basking. It's in Basking Ridge, technically. <coughs> so the proprietor was thanked me for the compliments on their selection. They had a lot of other good stuff I had never seen before. So the goods market, it's just, it used to just be your typical building lobby newsstand with the same old crap, you know. <coughs> so this is actually very cool. Now we're here at the Winter Village, as they call it, at Bryant Park. It's all back up and running again. You can buy all sorts of things. I wonder if there's anything cool here. <coughs> it's all, be, all become a bit tiresome. The one thing I do, like uh, the food offerings here, they, they really have uh, uh, shifted over the years. Some years there was a ton of vegan stuff, other, other years almost nothing. So I'm going to, uh, I don't know where the food alleys are. Maybe we'll see if there's anything good. I kind of doubt it. Listen, I don't need, I have Uncle Joe's mint balls. I don't need food. That is a food. It's a food product, technically. It's just pure sugar, but what do you, what do you want? And a little bit of mint. How about Dr. Silkman's Handmade Body Emporium? Great. Great. Presents, gifts. Do your holiday shopping. Cashmere Moon, New York. Alright, can we find anything over here? Weird leather book covers. Squishable, squishy toys. Oh, Hall and Oats. Private eyes. My private eyes, they're watching you. <coughs> that was a good video on MTV back in the day. All in oats. Remember Bublin A. Richardson had a theory of Hall and Oates. They were so popular, and then one day they weren't popular anymore. <laughs> what happened? What the hell's that smell? Argentinian-style barbecue. Eh. The big cheese house. Oh, my God, that smells rancid. Oh, God, it's horrible. <coughs> Disgusting. <coughs> Jesus. That was like chemical warfare walking past that place. Holy crap. I think they had that last time, too. It's nasty. See, this should be fun to be at the uh, holiday market. Why am I annoyed? People come here as a destination. Uh, rice bowls with chicken. Why does this, every place smell nasty? I don't know. Whole lobster with, fl with fries. Flavored corn dogs. The vegan quotient is not really very high here. Listen, they can do what they want. They don't have to go vegan if they don't want. 
<coughs> Sorry, I keep coughing. <coughs> oh, man, I just felt miserable today. I'm just glad to be out of there. It was like there was this haze around me, this, like... I don't know. But eventually I tried to make some kind of... I tried to make iced coffee, but the ice maker... Were, there's only enough ice for like one person in the morning, then there's no more ice. So I made a double espresso and at work, in this little espresso machine. I just poured it into some cold water. And that kind of gave me a boost. Very depressing. Alright. Holiday market. Remember the guy had grits? That was before I was vegan, though. I couldn't have his grits. His grits were vegetarian, but not vegan. Not vegan. <coughs> God, <dude. coughs> Coughing. How about the Brooklyn Woke Vintage? Oh, cool. Look at this. They have vintage stuff. Toys, records, vintage buttons. That's kind of cool. Kind of cool. Spice professors. I've gotten some spices. I got some zatar from them at one point. That was years past, though. Here's the famous fountain. Great place to meet someone. It's a great landmark. All right, let's get out of here. It's annoying me. See, that's the one thing about working from home. If you really have to, you can just sort of lay down if you really need, like, a quick nap. Yeah. I know you're supposed to nap during work hours, but, you know. If you, just, if you spend your lunch hour napping, then you'll be nice and fresh for the, for the next few hours. Whatever happened to those, uh, those cool places of work where they had napping pods, people could go take a nap during the day. If, I, if there was a napping pod at my workplace, I would have been napping completely. <coughs> like the tech companies, they're all, all these benefits, nap pods. Yeah, anyway. Oh, look, some sailors. They must be on leave from their ships. They still wear that same uh, outfit, a traditional sailor outfit. It's pretty groovy. I'm actually going to go to a military event this weekend. <coughs> the uh, Marine Corps Ball. My father-in-law is uh, being... Uh, taking the position of commandant at the local Marine Corps League office. And uh, it's going to be a big formal event. <coughs> I don't know. I think I have to dress up or something. I don't know. I, I don't feel ready to be in the presence of such formality. You know? But I'll, I'll do my best. I, have, I think I have a suit of some sort. I'll just cobble something together. But, I, you know, I'm not really... I'm not a military type... I don't know. I don't have that kind of discipline. Or that kind of uh, persona. But, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Just try to look nice and blend in, you know. Like when I went to a Catholic church for a friend's uh, kid's baptism. You know, I, I figured I don't, I'm not a believer. And... Uh, you know, they're baptizing this kid. I, I don't know if this kid, you know, obviously as a baby, doesn't cannot make the decision to, to receive this supernatural system. So I didn't say anything, and when I, it was time to stand up, I stood up, 
I sat down. I didn't try. I didn't make a fuss. But when it, when everyone started clapping, that the baby had been the subject of what amounts to, I mean, really a supernatural ritual without its consent. I know. I, I know. I'm probably pissing off a lot of Catholics here, but. I didn't clap. Everyone else was clapping. I didn't clap because I didn't feel like it was something that should be applauded. I think it's a rather questionable practice myself, but hey, you know. <clears throat> if, it's, if none of it's true, if there is no God and the whole church is completely invalid, then it's just a bunch of people saying words and waving their hands around. But if it is a real supernatural event, which I suspect it is, you know, is it... Is it, is it okay to perform a supernatural ritual on a baby that is not... But, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess if you were going to wait till someone's like 20 years old, oh, do you want to join their religion? That'd be kind of awkward. <coughs> well, most people that... A lot of people that receive all that as a baby and stuff, then they, they wind up when growing up and just leaving their religion anyway. But they could stay if they want. I don't know. But, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I, my father-in-law really is, uh, you know, getting very involved. He doesn't have to do it, but he's really stepping up to really help out these organizations. And they're good organizations, <coughs> you know, for veterans and other things. So, I really respect that, and uh, I will go. But I'll feel uncomfortable and out of place, of course, like I do most places. I mean, I, the place I work, I've been working there for over seven years now, and I still feel completely out of place, odd man out. I don't feel like I belong there. But then again, I, I think a lot of people feel that way. It's not unique to me. This guy deal with it, though. Heading towards the bus terminal here on uh, 41st Street. I want to thank you so much for patching in to this episode of The Overnightscape. It is really much appreciated. Ooh, someone's smoking weed. It's legal now. I heard a couple more states uh, <coughs> made it legal, like Missouri and Illinois. Or something. Oh, Illinois was already legal. Some others. They're saying now <coughs> more people in the U.S. are living in states... Where it's legal, then it's not, then it's not legal. Anyway, yes, thank you for patching in. I do appreciate it. Uh, we're here in the over the Onsug, a radio station inside a book, and there's, we have over thirteen thousand hours <coughs> of material in the archive and growing all the time. This project is unique in many ways, right? We preserve everything that we do. We're very focused on people listening in the near and far future, so we're preserving everything into the far future. It's a radio station inside a book. Who else has done that? No one. No one thought of it but me. I thought of putting a radio station inside a book. Don't worry if it doesn't make much sense. It will make sense in the future. Uh-oh. Someone brushed past a passerby, and that passerby did not like it and looked over and said, Fuck off. A little negativity on the walk here. Uh, anyway, people are very aggressive. Uh, yes, our, we have a non-commercial project here. There's no money changing hands. Uh, and we have a unique style, as you could tell. 
and uh, we talk about so many different topics. It's ama an amazing record of an amazing range of topics. <coughs> that doesn't even do it justice. It's more than that. <coughs> but it is that. It's just an amazing thing. The Onsug. That's T-H-E space O-N-S-U-G. And just go to Onsug.com for all your Onsug needs, all the latest shows. Click on that. Onsug Radio takes you to the full archive. You can listen to any of those over 10,000 episodes, over 13,000 hours. Download them. It's all free forever. And uh, you can grab a copy of the book. It's a print-on-demand book. Or you can download a PDF of the book. And this project is I'm constantly trying to improve it and expand it. Trying to come up with a new edition of the book for next year. <clears throat> so you also can help no matter where you are. You know, considering the nature of this project, right? It's, it's not like some big company running it. It's just a couple people. And when those people are gone, which I'm sure will all be gone, and you know, we're, you know, they haven't invented immortality yet, so all of us on the channel here will be gone in like a hundred years, if not sooner, probably sooner. You can help preserve the contents of the Onsug, a radio station inside a book. Preserve the audio, preserve the book, promote it in your time and space. You can take on the mantle of responsibility. You could be in the year 9000 and maybe you rediscovered this. And reintroduce it to your fellow people. It could, it could solve all the problems of the year 9000 if people just listen to the Onsug. Come on! Anyway. Well, you never know. Oh. Anyway, so yeah, approaching the bus terminal here, and uh, don't forget, you can participate in a show called Overnight Escape Central. Just listen to the latest episode to get all the information you need to participate. And now, for the audio adventure of the moment, grim-faced and forbidding, their faces drawn tight, an angular mass of New Yorkers are about to enter this. The other side.
and the night air is hideous with John's this evening. John Cole has kindly relinquished a few minutes of his part of the programme in order that we could complete something that we started. We didn't start at all, actually. It was something we wanted to do anyway. And uh, John Lennon is going to read something that he wrote. Yes, this is a piece of paper called Charles. recent review of our most recent um, work and I want to read some of this to you and I want to make heads or tails, I want you to help me make heads or tails out of it, okay? Now I got very negative feelings about this, okay? First of all, this is what Spin Magazine says about us. Melter Pluto's latest outing, the detonation of Thomas Forthape, bothers the ambivalent cool Mr. Dennis events. Laden with fibrillation and smushy instrumental raiment, the dumb grazing of nobody is likened to a Camry? What does that mean? Oh, I think it's actually very positive because even though this person individually may not particularly favor this, this type of music, he did describe the sound and like portray the artistic talent that was involved in the music so that you know if you were into that sort of thing you know you could really get into it you so, so are you from? are you saying from that's all not this? a negative comment that's a very constructive comment it's just saying this like i'm saying you know uh bartholomew i really don't like you you know you know no offense taken right but i do appreciate what you do i just don't like it uh, i appreciate your work and and your paintings if you're doing paintings i appreciate right. them even though i don't really like them i can see the time you put into them, I know people do like him, so I think that's what that means. Okay, I understand that, but there's another thing that kind of gets my goat. What is this pro-establishment Drake? What are they referring to? What are they talking about? What is the sense of bringing that up? That's actually very good. That's How is it good? Well, when you have that in your music, it's considered uh, in the very artistic artsy world is very uh, positive. A possibly tantalizing and purloined embryo 
of an operetta. Oh, that's great. That's great because they're saying it's exciting and it's in its beginning stages. It's the potential is so strong that you know the energy is just going to burst out. It's great. It's great. Hmm. Okay. I'm telling you, I think I think you, you just woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. That's okay. what happened. If antipathy soaked ill will, dead A team Kofier, and Legion reference are your thrill bills. They're feeding frenzies all yours. If you're into our type of music, you know, if you're into our stuff, that's gonna do everything for you, right? That's gonna, that's gonna, that's all he's saying. During the whole, the whole. You're whole making thing. this sound better than I thought it would. Well, okay. because you looked at it from a different perspective. You gotta look from it from the optimistic perspective. Okay. From the all good right. point of view. Listen to what Rolling Stone said about this. Okay. Detonation has an impressive array of tender, while Pogo, the earth See, dog, impressive, smolders. Impressive. 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 See the word impressive. The adjectives to describe it. Master false catharsisers, lead vocalist Van Hall is racked with Janis Joplin disease. In tandem with Forever's anemic violin, a neat lyrical circumcision. A piss-poor enabling of St. Blood Brothers percussion quackery can't be far off. Else, an affidable accordion sample. Step aside this laughable Baconian illusion and pro-establishment Drake? Pro-establishment Drake? I don't understand. Explain that to me. Can you make sense out of that? Well, I have everything that was said. Why was well, that thrown in? Drake was uh, an influential person. Detonation has an impressive array of tender, while Pogo, the earth dog, smolders. Master false catharsis, lead vocalist Van Hall, is racked with Janis Joplin disease. I didn't know you had Janis Joplin disease. Uh, I don't even know who Janis Joplin is. I might have heard of her once. She could be my gardener or something. I wouldn't know. Hmm. In tandem with Forever's anemic violin, a neat lyrical circumcision. Nice connotation. A piss-poor enabling of St. Blood Brothers' percussion quackery can't be far off. Else, an affidable accordion sample, step aside this laughable Baconian illusion, and pro-establishment Drake. I never knew you put a pro-establishment Drake in the video. Um, if I did it, when it was totally unintentional, and, and I'm frankly, I'm, I'm far as I'm concerned about this, this reviewer, he's, he's an idiot, he's a quack. Okay, let's, let's listen to what Select had to say. <clears throat> the plutocrat's best so far, a dire San Diego fracas, and a load of telling Roxy music worship, resembling a Walt Disney-esque, LSD-crazed Aztec camera at times. The ebb and tides of Unique's bastard bass is at times unnerving, but a might sincere. I read a folly for Astral Belly Folk. The first single, Weird Highway, disappoints endunerously. And in all, I'd rather play Tetris with the Mooney than trudge through this disheartening Positiveness, Quackamire. And listen to what the village voice said. Melt me when it's over. 
Oh, that's that says it right there. The village voice. Melt me when it's over. Can you feel it? This person has such... It's right down to the point. It's great. It's so great. You get burned up with the artsiness in it, the, the fantastic power and energy. And at the end, you just melt down. You can't cool off. It's just... You want more. I mean, it's so hot. You, you, yeah, you want to go back for more. In a moment, we'll return to Mandingo, starring James Mason. The all-new front-wheel drive Mazda 626, an automobile designed to exceed your expectations with unprecedented luxury, comfort, and masterful use of interior space. A new level of style and performance in three no-compromise personalities. A sophisticated sports sedan, an inspiring sport coupe, and an outstanding five-door touring sedan. The all-new Mazda 626. The more you look, the more you like. Someday, you'll have a sophisticated computer system like this to teach you music. To take care of household accounts. File your lists. Type your letters. Put you into telecommunications. Entertain you. But to begin with, you want the Commodore VIC-20. Then, as you grow with VIC, VIC grows with you. The VIC. The vic accessories. Commodore VIC-20. The one to grow on. Papers. ahead you won't believe what will happen the chum card absolutely right for all of us right now for groceries for monthly mortgage payments for free money and free concerts and more
ask for a free Chum card now at any participating McDonald's and listen to Chum. The real fun is yet to come. Mandingo, starring Perry King, will continue after this. Honda invented the three-wheel all-terrain cycle, people have found it real handy for lots of chores because it handles the rough country. Of course, a lot of people have found the Honda ATC is uh, great for going fishing, too. Hey, did you forget to put gas in that tractor? The Honda ATC. To get you where you never thought you'd go on wheels. If you're having trouble finding an uh, equal we suggest you try the next best thing, sugar. Mm. Amazingly enough, sugar tastes a lot like equal, whereas um, cyclamates and saccharin have a unique taste all their own. Equal, of course, is made with nutrients like those found in good fresh food. Mm. And sugar is cheaper, so you get a lot more calories for your money. But then, um, remember, if you can't find um, equal, you'll probably have to settle for sugar. Canon proudly presents the new AE1 program. For the pro photographer, it's even more advanced. And for pro quarterback Joe Theismann, it's even simpler to use. Hey, no matter how tough the shot, the new program mode automatically sets the camera for the best possible photo. This new Canon is super. The new AE1 program. So advanced, it's simple. And more of both. See your Canon dealer now for details on the great Canon spring gift offer. Today, you're taking a more active interest in your health. You don't want to take any chances at home or at work. That's why IAPA is setting up new safety and health programs to reach more people, to ensure a safe and healthy working life. It's part of the Industrial Accident Prevention Association's five-year goal to reduce injury and illness in the Ontario workplace by 25%. IAPA, for safety and health in the 80s. Be part of the team. Young Drivers of Canada. I saved 600 bucks when I showed my young driver certificate to my insurance broker. I saved 220. I saved 200 bucks. I saved 40%. Young Drivers of Canada. Would you cross over the grid marks? Intriguing classroom courses, plus accident preventing in the car training, make it Canada's most sophisticated driving course. There's a Young Drivers class starting soon near you. Welcome to CFGM Country Music Radio. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Ooh, I was country. When country was a cool. I'm singing Elfira. Elfira. If this is your kind of music, we're your kind of radio station. CFGM 1320 Country Music Radio. In a moment, we'll return to Mandingo, starring James Mason. These men have one thing in common. The number one selling line of import trucks in Canada, Toyota. He got the Toyota standard bed with over 1,600 pounds of payload and the power to move it. He teamed up with the Toyota diesel for high mileage without sacrificing performance. And he chose four-wheel drive with 2.4 liters of climbing power. Three demanding owners, same feeling. Oh, oh, we know trucks. Toyota. 
From the very first bottle of OV we brewed, we have had just one thing in mind, to brew you a beer with all the great taste you want, so that right from the first time you try OV, we'll bet you have found your beer. That's why you just say OV for that great taste in beer, OV, OV, oh yeah, you just say OV. Telecommunication systems are dependable, and Bell works hard to keep them that way. For example, Bell keeps a 24-hour watch on many of its SL1 computerized telephone systems. At its new monitoring centers, potential trouble is instantly spotted and corrected, or a technician is dispatched to put things right, often before the customer knew a problem existed. It's the kind of backup service and expertise that will work for you. Bell Canada, a world of experience. There is a new star in the heavens, and the quest for excellence in flight has been achieved. It is called the Air Canada Intercontinental, unparalleled North Atlantic service. First class includes sleeper red seats. The new executive class offers advanced seat selection, maple leaf lounge privileges, wider seats, more leg room, and complimentary bar. New hospitality service offers complimentary drinks, full course meal, and movies. Air Canada Intercontinental, the new star in the heavens. The drama, the skill, the tension, the ecstasy, the contest. The $300,000 Pro Skate Championships. The world's best professional figure skaters in non-stop adrenaline pumping action. See the drama and feel the excitement. March 19th and 20th, Maple Leaf Gardens. Tickets at Bass or call 698-BASS and charge it. Don't miss it. Somebody hears he's got a problem Somebody's worried about his soul Somebody hopes it's nothing major I know where to go Speed somebody Come to Speedy A clamp, a simple clamp And they didn't even charge me Speedy took me straight to the problem and not to the cleaners Speed somebody Alan Arkin is Inspector Clouseau. Great movies on City TV. Chevy Lincoln Brenton has the hottest selling cars in today's market. Great quality, great prices. What's that car? Chrysler! That's Jeffrey Lynch. This new 83 Horizon sells for only $49 down, $189 a month. What's that car? Chrysler! As Jeffrey Lynch, this new 83 Colt sells for only $49 down, $179 a month. Come on down now to Jeffrey Lynch. Call me, Big Ann, 451-2490. You're going to say yes, too. Sensational. Satisfying. Not filling. This is the problem. This new Mirage bar is nothing but pure milk chocolate. But it feels and tastes so different, it defies description. That's a big Try, but none of our words measure up. Maybe you can help. Try new Pure Milk Chocolate Mirage and send us your words soon. I've got it. New Mirage from Roundtree. It's so good it seems to defy description. Too good to share. Close. This is Toronto Television. City TV, Channel 79, Cable 7.
on fourthly. Four is standing by. Roll four. Three, two, we're on. Find yourself in people's city. Stay a while if you can. of energy during a celestial probe. The two astronauts were propelled through the time barrier. They landed 2,000 years after their takeoff on a strange continent that had once been known as Earth. From one of the most successful motion pictures ever made, comes an exciting new television series, Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes takes place on Earth, but some 2,000 years from now, there's been some sort of cataclysm that's changed the whole complexity of the planet. We find that the whole world is turned upside down, that when civilization regenerated itself, the apes became the dominant members of society. We're creating a world that never existed, so we have plenty of latitude both in the behavior of people, the society we're creating, the way it looks. The way we see civilization regenerating itself is with the apes, of course, at the top. The center of government is Ape City, where there are just a few humans who work as clerks and servants. Most of the humans live in comparatively rural communities. There are many special and difficult production problems. Foremost is that of the ape makeup takes close to four weeks to get an ape made up. First, we have to start with a gooey plaster substance and make a mask of the face. Then when that hardens, it's cast to mold. And on that mold, uh, the facial characteristics of the simians are built. We spend somewhere between three and a half and four hours putting this appli these appliances uh, onto the ape characters. The show is going to have a very strong philosophic base. For the Planet of the Apes is a world regenerating itself from our own civilization, mirroring in a strange way what's both good and bad about our own lives. 
And our two astronauts are going to find themselves in a world where evolution has gone completely haywire. Roddy McDowell, Ron Harper, and James Martin star in Planet of the Apes. Entertainment. At first glance, those two words don't seem to go together. But look a little closer. There are plenty of people from the Rockford area entertaining people in the Rockford area. 
In our series, Class Acts, Andy Gannon takes a look at some people who have banded together for several reasons, mainly to entertain us. And now, taking the stage from the world of rock and roll, Rockford's own Puppet. These five young men from Rockford are playing rock and roll for a living and playing the waiting game for a while. I think everyone in this business is looking for a break, you know, looking for a chance to make it big. Otherwise, I don't think they'd really be in the business to begin with. I think anybody in this business was waiting for something like that. It's, it's hard to get it, but if you can get it, it's well worth it. Right now, from a financial standpoint, Puppet is barely worth it. We make enough money to make a living at it. It's not easy to do. We're, some days we go without a lot of sleep. We're on the road a lot. It's very hectic a lot of times. It's very trying, but we make enough to make it. Pay the bills a little extra. Hey, but it's only rock and roll and they like it, and that makes it all worth it. The thing for me is uh, when I see an audience having fun, or that's my whole challenge, is to make sure they have fun. And if they have fun, I have fun too. Mostly have fun with the audience. We're more of a theatrical oriented uh, with the clown white, uh, European makeup. So you, so you like to give them different faces, different moves, uh, keep their eyes glued to the stage. Puppet has been donning makeup and costumes for three years now, all under the watchful eyes of their 31-year-old band leader, father figure, and the keyboard of directors, Mark Dahlgren. Oh, he's also the coach. You have to practice every day. If you don't practice, like a football game, football team. If you don't practice, you know, if you just go out and play, you don't make it. A football player all year round practices. It's the same thing with a musician. It's more practice than it is play. And in Puppet, it is more togetherness than it is selfishness. Every family has their bad moments and good moments. And uh, you just go as a family unit. And, uh, yeah, you got good times and bad times. More good than bad. The place is quiet now. Puppet has since packed up their amps and their lights and all their instruments, and they have hit the road again. And a long and winding road it is. They travel through ten states in the Midwest, from Nebraska to Ohio. But once a week, they try to come home, home to Rockford. Visit with our friends, family. Everybody has friends here, though. <laughs> Rockford, it's our hometown. Dahlgren also spends his Sunday mornings playing the organ at his church. What do you do when you get, do get back to Rockford? Uh, I like to give my, my buddies an old call in uh, laundry. Yeah. Lots of laundry. Yeah, plenty. So it's not exactly putting on the Ritz, but it's a living, and maybe, just maybe for Puppet, it will all be worth it. And again in 23 Action News. Maybe we should wear that type of makeup every now and then, just for well, kicks. Of Thank you.
Wilderness, so mysterious, so promising, so dangerous. These forbidding landscapes of the New World symbolized vastness and wildness. They epitomized abundance and fulfillment. Vastness meant space, intellectual and social elbow room. Emptiness meant the possibility of new creation. 
Wildness meant freedom and release. the drama of its changing forms, a national vision was born. It said, we are the land, and the land is us. Wilderness was the mother of this nation. For our Native Americans, she was a vision of home.